Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got in the way arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 Good morning to you. Ah, uh, that's better. The change in 24 hours, the change in two successive nights was just unreal. I was out last night. There's always a visit to the garden in Coogan Towers around about half 11, quarter to 12 at night. It's just so that the doggies can have their last conversation of the day with Mother Nature, if you know what I'm saying. And I was just standing out last night under the nighttime sky and it was gorgeous compared to the previous night which had been like something out of the Bible so awful was it um, but it's lovely lovely this morning and it's great I'm going to jump straight to the line it's great to be able to start a show with some good news uh, business wise that is because in fairness over the last few months we've had so many occasions to talk to traders who were bringing us sad news who were closing their doors. I could start reeling off names, but it would only be upsetting to those involved. You know who you are, and thank you for talking to me at those low low points in your life. But fantastic news arrives on our desks in the last 24 hours. In the case of Sheena Crowley, Sheena of the famous Crowley's Music Centre of pious, glorious and immortal memory, reputedly the place where Rory Gallagher bought his first guitar. It's coming back. Sheena, good morning. <laughs> Hi, PJ. How's it going? This is the most <laughs> wonderful news. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Your introduction there nearly made me start crying, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's really great. I'm so happy about it. I'm very excited. And everybody I meet is really excited about it as well. When did you close? Since I started telling again. you. Um, it was actually 10 years uh, ago this year, 10 years in August the wow. 8th. Wow. So, you know, that's one anniversary. And another thing is it's 100 years since my grandfather started um, trading, actually. Yes. Started repairing instruments and making instruments. I remember buying and, uh, a drum for my boy in there. He was yeah. into samba drumming for a while and he wanted a particular oh, good, yeah. kind of drum. And I remember getting yeah. it for him in there. So, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a huge amount of stock uh, at 29 McCurtain Street. Yeah, it was brilliant. You know, so many brilliant memories for so many people. Yeah. So I'm hoping to reproduce that now. So we're starting small, but it'll be like a multi-purpose space for musicians. Um, there'll be a bit of um, it, with the shop itself is going to be part time, so it's going to be fr- to begin with Thursdays to Sundays from twelve noon to six pm. Yeah, and we'll build on that because the other days will be uh, focusing on um, things like uh, the workshop and uh, maybe a podcast room, a teaching room, a um, bit of recording and filming and so on whatever, looking after the services for musicians as well, you know. Where are you going to be? Number one, Friar Street, which is absolutely brilliant. It's a fabulous location. Lo- lovely shop with fabulous light coming through with big, huge windows. Mm. I love it. Good I was space there. Because, too. yeah, yeah, because I've been waiting to find a place that I could afford and um, I was really lucky to get this, you know. What have you been doing all the stock? Did you keep it or did you... Offloaded at the time. Oh, no, sure. That was that was gone back in 2013. But um, since then, I have been kind of been still involved with helping people get instruments and sourcing instruments. And then in the last few years, I've been renting instruments as well. Mm. And what's incredible actually is a lot of the um, old customers can donated instruments towards yeah. the library of instruments that I could rent, which to me, like it means a hell of a lot because in a way, the customers have partially built this new shop, you know, so mm. it's a bit of everybody yeah. when involved. Is, it's a combined effort. When is opening day? Um, The 28th, Friday the 28th. Okay, all right. Starting at the weekend. <laughs> so, and um, we have a, a, a big gig coming up as well on the 4th of August, Friday the 4th of August, which will be a tribute to my late father, Michael Crowley, and that'll be a very special night of um, very seriously talented musicians, David Munley and Shane McGowan. They're coming down from Sligo and Mayo, and then uh, no-name trio, Conor O'Sullivan, Carl and Jason Turk will be playing as well, and they're fabulous musicians, so it'll be a brilliant night of trad, you know? What was always great about the, the old shop, Chino, is that you, you could wander in there just for a look around. You might be buying something, you might yeah. not. You'd never know yeah. who you'd find in yeah. there. Tenderly yeah, plucking the strings of guitar or checking out a banjo. or You'd never know who you could meet. Yeah, true. Uh, and that's why it was so good and a special place because um, they could network, you know. They were, they were connecting with each other and often it led to collaborations um, which um, which is why I want it to be um, multi-purpose space now, you know, so that they can come in and be together and hang out and, yeah. you know. It was uh, a lovely corner down the back and you'd wander down yeah. and anybody. <laughs> I mean, in his time, God rest him, you could find Rory down there plucking away. Or, yeah, or yeah. Anybody, yeah. you know. Remember yeah. coming down there one afternoon and there's there's a guy from Kieran Kramer's band. We were a huge big band for a few years and he's down there just, just tipping around on a few new drums and said, yeah. are you investing? He said, I wish I could afford it kind of thing, you know, but they're just <laughs> the best. No, I, and, and other musicians, I remember going in there one day and, and there was one of, the, one, of the, one of the guys who used to play with Moving Hearts long ago. Was in there. Oh yeah, well, what, do you mean Brian Callan, the That's, drummer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brian worked with us for a while. Yeah, That's Brian's right. a seriously talented musician as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah He's yeah, great. Yeah. He's still going strong. It was brilliant. And hopefully we'll get to see him. Yeah, lots of the staff that worked with us as well were uh, amazing. Like they all were actually. They yeah. were all very talented. So we were very lucky in that way as well. Um, everybody who kind of worked there 
enjoyed being there, you know, and so it wasn't um, a, a chore to go to work every day. They looked forward to going in, you know, yeah, so I, as I did, like, so well, hopefully well, we'll have the same. Hopefully you will. This is wonderful news. Opening 12 to 6 Thursday yeah. to Sunday and, of course, other things yeah. going on. Number one, yeah. Fire Street. Plenty of things. Yeah. Big, big adventures ahead. I'm delighted for you, Sheena. I really am. Thrilled. Thanks, William, TJ. Fabulous. Cheers. Thank Great you. Great to see Crowley's. Okay. And we, I, I take Thanks. it the name will be the same. Yeah, yeah, because I was waiting until it was possible, you know, um, that I would be ready for it. And Crowley's Music Centre has to be that, yeah. And will you have, the, will you have the sign back or will you re- recreate the sign? The old sign is actually in the basement of the Son of a Bun. Is it? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I will recreate. I'll start fresh, I suppose. But it's still Crowley's Music Centre. I mean, actually, it'll be more like my grandfather's shop in a sense, because I will be focusing on um, traditional and folk instruments to begin with. And then over time, you know, we'll have the whole range. But I'll be looking after the nice. children starting and, you know, beginners instruments a lot like. And But it's a small space bike. So it'd probably be about a quarter of the size of the shop on McCurtain Street, you okay. know. Okay. But that's perfect, like, you know, it suits the volume and, you know, managing it and all Brilliant. that, yeah. Brilliant. So. Absolutely delighted to see this happening. Crowley's Music Centre closed. I didn't realise it was 10 years. Sheena Crowley, thank you. Sheila, uh, reopening after 10 years, Sheena. That is fantastic news. Crowley's Music Centre, number one, Friar Street, opening, I'll be away, opens on the 28th of July with a gig there on Friday the 4th of August. Well, it's not there, it's it's at the Triscoll um, to celebrate the reopening of Crowley's Music Centre. And yep, it is the place, it is the place where Rory Gallagher bought his first serious guitar. And that wasn't yesterday. Um, Frank says Crowley's was never just a music shop. It was a community. You'd go in for a plectrum. (laughs) You'd go in for a plectrum and three hours later you were still there. That's right, Frank. That's right. I remember going in and it's something that I... It's a treasured memory. My, my lad was into samba for a while. He was in a little samba group that used to play in the School of Music on a Saturday morning. And there was a particular kind of drum that he wanted. I can't recall the name of it now for the living life of me. But it was a drum that you played with a padded stick. A samba drum that he played with a padded stick. And I was... We were looking to see with Santa, bring it to him. You know yourself now. And I went in uh, to, to talk to them inside in Crowley's and they said, give us give us a few days. We know where to find one. The drum was produced, the stick was produced and Christmas was celebrated. Mick says, what an amazing coincidence. I was thinking about Crowley's the other day and Noel Curran, who worked there. That's a lovely way to start a Wednesday morning. Good news about a great Cork institution reopening on the 28th of July. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big. Show, 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 radio.
Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Will you be paying your TV license? A huge number of people have not renewed that were due to renew in July uh, since all of the RTE stuff began to break in June a huge number of people that were due to renew in July have not renewed in July I told you earlier on in the whole story that we had done it in around April because that's when the Queen Bee does it whether or not we'll do it again next year there's a bit to prove by RTE in between now and then that's to come but first (laughs) there are strange ways to propose and one of the most unusual ways I've never heard, I've ever heard of, is to go on stage and talk about not proposing. Have a listen to this. And she's next to me because her friends are all engaged. And I said, that's not how it works. <laughs> I tried to explain to her. I said, Una, that's her name. I said, Una, if all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it? And she she seriously considered that question. She said, I think I would. She said, I think I might crap my pants. And I'd probably pray for a heart attack. For an easy way out. But I think I'd just be too afraid of losing all my friends forever. Darren Murphy, after teasing the misfortune as Una for how many years? At gig after gig after gig, you finally dropped on one knee on stage. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. She was part of your flipping routine, you horrible creature. For For five years, she's had to endure me telling audiences all over the country that I do not want to get engaged. And how how long have you been together? Uh, I've been in comedy six years and we've been together five, so the vast majority of my comedy career, she's had to tolerate me doing that. Nonsense. So she's been a stooge for you for five years. The woman must love you dearly. She does. I think I love her slightly more, but yeah, you, you hear about people throwing partners off the scent. I thought what I'd do on Saturday night was do about half an hour of talking about not wanting to get married, not wanting to get engaged, and then at the very end, persuade her to come up on stage and pop the question. She seriously appeared shocked that you actually did. I really thought she knew because I had told some of her friends and fa- my family and stuff that it was going to happen just to get them in mm. um, to the sold out show. And it was upstairs in the Roundy, the Coco Club. And so I thought there might have been a leak in the camp. But uh, and even on the show was on Saturday and last Thursday, she I said, where would you not like to get? engaged and she said I'd hate to do it in front of a crowd <laughs> so I was like oh no I have to scrap all this now but I went ahead with it or do you think that I, maybe she knew I did think she knew to be honest with you Jay, but uh, like you can tell by the reaction on the video that like she didn't have a clue she was probably the only one there who didn't have an inkling because everyone was recording it yeah. including herself before she got on stage because she was so used to oh here we go again now being the butt of his joke come here I, I, I love your style by the way um, your your delivery you. uh, and, and to, to be honest I'm not hugely familiar with your work how long are you touring around? Uh, about six years now so I'm from Cork but I've been up and down to Dublin so I started in Dublin 
and I've been doing it regularly in Cork for the last five, six years. Mm. I, must, I must come and get a full show. But come here, it's, it's, it's a tough old station, isn't it? Getting up there in front. I, I was, I'm always talking to Ross Brown about this. Do you know, mm. walking out there in front of, in fairness to him, like he's had the Opera House now sold out a couple of times, but walking out in front of a crowd of people with all this stuff in your head, <laughs> is that a moment of pure terror or do you just get on with it? No, I like the comedy itself I enjoy and so I don't get nervous anymore. Um, even before the show on Saturday, I was happy enough doing the half an hour comedy. I was confident enough that she wouldn't say no. But my only concern was that the surprise would be ruined because so many people knew about it in like the... At the break of the show, I thought, oh, will it get out? Will the bartenders say something? But uh, no, I don't really get nervous anymore. I can see from like people who don't do comedy why it's it's the most terrifying thing ever. And like Jerry Seinfeld has that great bit about the people's greatest fear is public speaking, not death. So people would prefer to be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. But uh, once you do it for a while, like those uh, yeah. those nerves do go, and it's not that terrifying great. anymore. I must, I must come and catch a gig. Did, did she? Did you? Did you meet at a gig or? or is her own background to do with comedy or no, what? No, I think she'd been to a few gigs beforehand, but she did not know anything about the ins and outs of comedy before she met me. And then when I first came back to Cork in, I think, 2018, um, I started going to the open mic upstairs in that very club, uh, the Coco Club. Mm. And uh, she would come in and help. I used to run the open mics in there. So she'd come in, she'd help me set up the chairs on wet and windy January nights. She'd be out flyering, trying to get people upstairs. So it was kind of a full circle That's moment. That's GA levels de- of dedication is what that is. Exactly. She's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so when is the big day or will there be one soon? We don't know yet. Like even at this, I thought I'd buy myself a bit of time, maybe a few months without having to talk about planning the wedding. But straight away afterwards, she was like, we have to plan. And she was like, I can't believe you lied to me for so many months. So she's onto me straight away trying you, to plan it. I'd say a couple of years anyway. You, you, you now have to write a routine about putting off planning a wedding, don't you? Exactly. That's the new <laughs> challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you do like that because that's the opposite follow on people from a, a, a kind of previously at the Mar- at the Darren Murphy show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was down in Killarney last night at a gig and I was like, I have no material now. I've done all my, I don't want to get engaged. I can't lie to the audience. So I was just clutching at straws last night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go now. You've got to write a routine about putting off care. I'm delighted for you, Dara. And let, let me much, know Peter. through the lads here. Let me know when you're doing a show in, in, in town again and I'm going to come and see it because I liked the, the, the little clips that you put up about the engagement. So I look forward to seeing the full gig. We have got some wonderful comedy in this country and it's it's time for me to start getting around to more of it. Thank you, Dara. And congratulations to Dara and Una, a comedian who regularly plays in, in the roundy upstairs. Okay, where are we going? Oh, yeah. The TV licence. Now, we know all this um, broke middle of June now, wasn't it? Uh, we knew, we heard that there was uh, scandal coming about payments. Uh, the Ryan Tuberty story broke, and we've had Iroctus committees, and we've had drama, and we've had more time devoted to RTE on this programme than I would ever have thought possible in previous years. And then in the last couple of days, the statistics broke about renewals. And of the people who were due to renew their television license in the first week of July, those numbers are down 27%. This is the Fine Gael TD, Brendan Griffin, got these numbers. He was one of the 
star performers, so to speak, at the Eructus Committee. He got these figures, and in the first week in July, 27% down. That amounts to 3,500 fewer households who went and bought a television licence. June was down also, but a little over 2%. But I think it was only towards the end of June that the story was really breaking. So there's a real tumble in in July. Uh, the Irish Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday have always have also been following this story with interest. I'm joined by John Lee, who's executive editor of the Mail Group Ireland. John, those figures, Morning, hiya, they didn't surprise too many people, did they? Well, if you've been watching the Mail on Sunday over the previous two weeks, I had reported that there were concerns in cabinet about this. Um, Although some parts of the commentaries didn't feel it was possible, they were aware of of stats and data. One one minister told me that he had spoken to people in, and this was his his claim that he had spoken to people in on post, and and there was evidence at the end of June. Even I think our reporters, I'm trying to think back now, um, what Sunday it was. So last Sunday week. Mm. I had a story where I referred to one minister, a cabinet minister, um, concerned about what he called a potential water charges too. And then even the previous week, I had a few lines where they had gotten data back from OnPost. They claimed now, I'm not saying OnPost were given this officially, and that should be stressed, um, that there was there, there was a fall. So the government does have access, um, and it's proven that in this parliamentary question to data that shows a, a huge drop, it has to be said, in people paying their uh, TV license. Mm. I, since the controversy started in late June, I've had message after message here of people, and some of them, people who've always paid their license and just decided they're not going to pay it, pay it again. It's one of the bills that my missus handles in our house. She renewed it in April, and I said it to her, Recently, I said, "Will you will you pay it again next year?" She said, "They'd they'd have some work to do to win my confidence back." Well, of course, and if if, if you're saying that, see, the great fear would be with a charge like this, which which first of all isn't enforced by the revenue, um, is that if there's a mass boycott, and that and that again, I, I reported that in recent weeks, there is a fear of that. The, the the court system becomes so overloaded, you can't you, you can't pursue it anyway. Yeah. So you know there is a tipping point where um, where people might just walk away from. Now we all, we've short memories because of what what has happened here in this unprecedented story, and you just pointed out how often you've covered this in your show in recent weeks. I can't think of a political controversy, which is what it is now, that has gone on so long. Yeah. But if you cast your mind back to a year ago, there was a, a Future of Media Commission report which made 50 recommendations to government. 49 were accepted. The one that wasn't accepted was an overhaul of how broadcast media and public service media is funded in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And there had been recommendations on a, on a change there. So like, like, like everything else, once we get beyond RTE, state, which is virtually a semi-state com- um, company, we have to look at the government. And RTE themselves last year said that they didn't think the licence fee system was was fit for purpose. Mm. That it wasn't it wasn't um, maintainable in a in a in a modern society with the changes in media. So everyone had accepted that this 
was was ready to fall, and now the public have, have accepted that it's not fit for purpose. And and if that trend continues, particularly into October, November, when the high bills start coming in, and let's not forget it's in abeyance right now. We are in a cost of living crisis. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know where we're going to go, but again. I've reported a couple of weeks ago that there's, there's fears in government that will have to be a bailout for RTE and that's where yeah. we're at now. Th- those figures as well that were released to, to Brendan Griffin, they're only for the first week of July. Uh, absolutely. Which I mean, is a warning of what might be to come. Where are we with regard to the idea, John, um, that it might eventually end up getting collected through revenue in the form of a, a, media, a, a media tax, for want of a better expression? Well, again, you know, there's been left to us political correspondents um, to report the musings, um, you know, after a year after they rejected proposals and, and, and smart rep- proposals to deal with this issue, that is the, the, the funding of public service broadcasting. The government are musing away in the background and ministers are saying to me, oh, yes, we're considering, we're looking at having the revenue collect a charge that charge, they say, ministerial briefings say, would be a, a charge that would be distributed not just to RTE, but to Virgin, News Talk, stations like your own, 96FM, Pinion mm. Line and, and, and others. Um, but it want to happen pretty quickly. Mm. And, and, and that's where we're at. And, you know, I'm sure we've all discussed the different um, landscape of media now, but one of the things they're looking at is the charge that will be um, imposed on every household in the country and collected by the revenue commissioners. Now that takes a long, that takes quite a time to to get into get into place. It's not it's not a charge that would be particularly um, would be particularly popular. And again, you may have, you know, if honest all buying citizens like yourself are considering paying this in the first place, any element of that that continues to go to RTE, the public clearly are going to have a problem with paying it. There's one idea that was touted. And I don't know if they've ever discussed it here. John, was that one way to collect a media levy, such as it would be, is to put a tax at point of sale on televisions, smart speakers, laptops, tablets, computers, so that when you go into Harvey Norman's or anywhere else to buy yourself a new laptop, there's a little levy, little government levy, levy to cover the fact they'll use that as a media machine. That would be a, one way of doing it. I can't imagine people being too happy with that one, though. It would be, um, but just, you know, and we're, we're talking about it here organically, um, I, I don't know about you, but I pay subscriptions to various um, media outlets. Me too, days. me too. You know, I've, 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 uh, I won't use the name, but they're a very well-known um, streaming service uh, for music and podcasts and everything else. I've no problem paying for that, and I pay quite a few bob oh, for use, it. Use the name, it's probably Spotify. Spotify. I, do the, I pay the same, yeah, I, I do. Know, that's the way the world is going. So, like, RTE's situation is so archaic to be charging people through, uh, with, with, uh, at, uh, you know, under threat of the court um, for something they don't use. And I, I, I'll say it here, I don't, I don't particularly use RTE bar have it on in the kitchen out of force of habit. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's, a, there's something very quick needs to be done. And I think this situation where... Where, where renewals of TV licenses have fallen off a cliff, we'll have to see something happening happening very quickly. And and I, I really don't see um, it being viable for a um, charge 
to be imposed on households through shops or a point of sale or anywhere else. Ultimately, where we're going, if you listen um, to government, listen to some of the things they say, and this is not going behind the scenes here now. Leo Varadkar has said, you know, he's very, he's the Taoiseach. He's very much in support of a uh, public service broadcaster continuing. He's been very strong in his support for that. Um, he's been a bit uh, opaque on how he'd see that funded. But then if you go across the, the, the aisle somewhat, you listen to Michael McGrath. He said in an interview last week that he's not in favour of a huge increase of exchequer, direct exchequer funding. Mm. Um in a discussion he said about reducing RTE's commercial uh, intake. That's where the discussion is now. There's, there are some in government who favour a, a, a direct funding. And if you look across Europe, it's a very common thing to see um, a, a direct funding from the Exchequer of a, of a, of a rump, small, cut-down, cut-back mm. RTE um, from direct Exchequer funding and take the public... Um, purse out of it, take the commercial out of it. And I actually think ultimately that could be good for journalism because the money would then not be going into some of these spurious activities that we've mm. seen revealed in recent weeks and actually fund cure, current affairs, proper democ- uh, documentary making. And let's face it, you know, we all cover elections, PJ, but no one covers them with the, with the resources that RTE can oh put into. God, I've, I've, I've sat watching <laughs> them set up crying with jealousy. I know. Absolutely. So, you know, these, these functions are a democratic function in some ways. And ultimately, if we're back here in a year, I can see a situation where, where our huge uh, takes from multinationals and everything else is funneled into to, to funding a vastly, vastly cut back public service broad, broadcaster in RT. And let's not forget that Kevin Backhurst himself floated the idea last week of selling of selling Montrose out yeah. there in 4 so yeah. there's a long way to go and yes Alright a lot of being played out here government on rec- in, in recess at the moment but it's something I assume John lastly I assume it's something that M- Michael McGrath the aforementioned will have to consider in terms of his budget discussions as will Pascal Donoghue they will, they will, and that's and that's the element of pressure that's coming. Um, so what what will need to happen here uh, quickly is that Kevin Backhurst um, will have to come back with some kind of proposal, and this has been said publicly as well to the government about how he envisages RTE being funded in the future. And Catherine Martin will then have to assess that, and then she will have to bring a proposal to government before the budget in early October. And it'll have to be decided then in a very, very unpalatable move for the for the mm. for the for the public, uh, what money in the short term has to go to RTE. And let's not forget earlier this year they asked for a, 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 def, a deficit of thirty five million to be filled by government. Yeah. And this myth, for instance, that government doesn't fund um, uh, 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 RTE as, as we stand. Right now they're taking in. 160 euros nominally from every household in the country. If that's not paid, that's enforced by the courts. The courts are, are backed up by the state. That is all public money, ultimately. It's coming mm-hmm. from somewhere. If it's not going through the, 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 the exchequer via your taxes, it's going through a direct charge. That hole could have to be filled very, very quickly. And we're looking at an October budget that's going to have to make some kind of statement on state money that will go to RTE to fill a hole that has been brought about, has been widened by the 
mishandling of their own affairs yep. so publicly. And, 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 and clearly already that hole is, is widening because of the, the fall off in renewals. John, thank you. John Lee, Executive Editor of the Daily Mail Group in Ireland. Will you be paying your television licence the next time it comes around? Simple question. Someone said to me recently, or they sent a message in here, PJ, I'll pay it on one condition, that Ryan Tuberty does not come back. But then others have said they'll pay it if Ryan Tuberty does come back to RTE. Will you be paying your television licence the next time it comes due for renewal? 0818 96 96 96. Uh, this is coming here. A couple of, of uh, reports Ricky Moore was on. Hi, Ricky. Um, did anybody see anything about five o'clock yesterday? Commotion on the street by the side of St. Augustine's Church. That's down the side of Brick Lane. There was a man running away from a car. Now, according to Gar the Press, they're investigating an incident in which a car failed to stop at a checkpoint yesterday evening, 18th July. The car was subsequently seized on Augustine Street. There are no arrests, investigations are ongoing. Is Augustine Street, is that the little street that runs down there at the corner of Centra by St. Augustine's and the little narrow lane, narrow street that goes and will come back out on on North or South Main Street? Is that that little one? That is that Augustine Street? That's where they're saying, here, according to Ricky, the car seized there. Anyone see that? Uh, around tea time yesterday, drama, drama, down around St. Augustine's Church by Brick Lane. Thanks for that. Uh, will you pay the TV licence? I never did. It's only a contract with a private company. I will not be contracting with them, says Mick. Thank you. Irreplaceable, Cork's 96 FM. There's a, a gig wouldn't mind seeing in Parky Cueve at some stage. Yes, I would. I'd go to see Beyonce. Puts on a massive show from anything you... You're told. Actually, Cork Bio were running a piece over the last couple of days. I'd I'd like to get your thoughts. They put together a list of acts that could possibly be booked for Parky Cueve in 2024. We didn't have a gig in the park this summer, which was terrible, sad altogether, because we had a fantastic marquee and a brilliant at Musgrave Park season, but nothing in Parky Cueve. And Corkbio were putting together a little list of just who might be around next summer. Metallica have a new album out. They played Slain in 2019. They're doing a tour next summer, and there's two weeks, end of June, start July, where they don't seem to have anything scheduled. So that would be a worth thinking about. Lana Del Rey arrived out of nowhere into the Three Arena earlier this month. Ten days notice she gave people to book that one. Sold out in about five seconds. And she promised that she'd be back so maybe she would turn up. Harry Styles. Yeah, I know. He did Slain only the other day and jammed it out. He did the Aviva in 2022. Jammed it out. This tour of his seems to be Going on forever. September 21, he started it and he's still touring. He is the biggest pop star in the world at the moment. Could Harry uh, turn up at Parky Cueve next summer? The one I would love to see. I, I love to see the legends. Madonna. We all know she got very sick there a few weeks ago and ended up in 
ICU. She's okay now. She's postponed her her tour. Her tour is called Celebration Tour, celebrating 40 years since she started making records. She's done six gigs in the O2 in London as part of that. No Irish gig penciled in yet. But you'd never know. That's the one. That's the one I'd like to see. Madonna. Uh, if 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 she could get to, to Parky Cueve. <laughs> Corkbio rather cheekily point out as well that um, the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick, which hosts or holds forty four thousand people, has a gig next month. And you'd wonder would there be an opening for it? in Parky Cueve in 2024. They're suggesting the Wolf Tones. Lads, come on. Although I do remember them. At Shames of Cushley. Stop. Come here, we'll throw it open to you. Right, one band, one performer, one legend. Be and It could be Paul, anyone from Paul McCartney to Harry Styles to Lana Del Rey to Dua Lipa to Pink to anyone you want. Anyone you want. Let's imagine I can pick up the phone to Mr. Aiken or the lads at MCD and I can say, listen, my listeners want to see so-and-so at Parquet Cueve next July. So say 1st of July 2024, fantasy gig at Parquet Cueve. Who would you like to see? I'm not saying I will do it, but I'm saying if I was able to pick the phone up to Peter Aiken or to the lads at MCD and say, lads, I need you to book in such and such. Who would it be? Oh wait, three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks ninety six FM. Thanks for all your nominations in the Corks ninety six FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of all is now. We're announcing the finalists all day today. We're announcing the finalists all day today. Then get voting for your favorite. Are you ready, ready for the light? The Best of Cork Awards 23. The Best of Cork Awards 23. You're the best. Only on Cork's 96 FM. On the television license. I haven't even got a dog license. Never mind a television license. Never had one. Never will. Says John. Thanks, John. I have another shortlist to give you in the Best of Cork Awards. This side of 10 o'clock, I shall give you the final list for Best Barber. Hang on for that. Mary, you got a letter from the E-Toll people saying you owe them money. Good morning. Yes, yes. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very good. When did this letter come? It arrived Monday evening at 1957. Okay. And how much do they say that you owe them? They didn't give me any price or anything. Um, can I read out the message please, I got? Please do, yeah. Yeah, EFLO, you haven't paid your charges. Visit toll-accsupport.com or an additional fine will be sent to your home address. Oh, this was a, a message you got, a text, was it? Yeah, a text message. A yeah. text message, yeah. okay. Yeah, did, I did, don't even have a car. That's what I was getting to. <laughs> You don't even own a car? No. It's clearly a scam. Uh, I, I take oh, it yeah, that you didn't definitely. click on the link. Now, E-Toll, to be fair to them, they did issue a press release a few weeks ago saying that this is going around. I've gotten one regularly. I haven't driven a car in yeah. Dublin in about two years. But I still get, I got an M50 toll from them, mm. you know. But mm. It's going around now. Yeah. I have but, the phone number and everything here, like, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you don't I even just... have a car. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Would you be tempted to text them back and say, I don't even have a car? Well, I'd be afraid. I just opened it. I said, what in the name of God is going on here? Yeah. And if you did click I did the link- ask my I did ask my husband did to give me the car and he said no. Mm. Do you drive? <laughs> I'm a learner's premise. Right, okay. It's a slow process. And, and did you ask him by any chance? Had he been through at all? Basically? No, he hasn't. I know he hasn't. I know he hasn't, PJ. I know he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, because I have one of them little yokes on, on the front of my car because I, I, I got stung a few years back. I was in, in Dublin for work and I went through the M50 toll just after they electronic the whole thing and I yeah, ended up yeah. getting caught for nearly 40 quid because I forgot to pay them and a friend of mine who was on the on the press corps in, in Dublin, she said to me, she'd been caught in a couple of times, she said, get yourself a tag, I said, I'm never in Dublin, she'd get a tag anyway um, and sure enough, you can use them everywhere so I have the tag, the, the, the tag now but they catch people if you're up there and you drive through, but you've, not only have you not been to Dublin, not only, you don't even have a car No <laughs> Class. Class. Do you, have you got yeah, any no, more of them? Any more of them? Oh, I mean, I get them regularly from the so-called DPD. Your parcel is ready for delivery, but we need money. Yeah, the usual ones, like you know. I had one of them last week as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm there. Like seriously, do you think I'm that mm. wizard? And would you be <laughs> someone who buys a bit of stuff online? No, I wouldn't. No, no, no. no. No, because I do. You see it. The highlight of my the highlight of my lockdown was ordering Hoover bags online. Hoover bags. Okay. Hoover bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the highlight of my lockdown. I, I remember during lockdown asking people what what they were buying. Uh, you're the first person ever to come up with Hoover bags. People were buying pet food well, no. and they were buying every groceries. No, I I, I worked through the lockdown, so. I see. Uber. I worked in the supermarket, so oh, I God. worked through the lockdown. Thank, it was great. Thank you for your service in that regard. Because the supermarket the people, town, just going back over it, no, the supermarket people, Mary, didn't get half the credit they were entitled to for working through COVID when the rest of us were were, were all at home. Well, to be honest, the company I worked for were very supportive of us. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, and I, I know I can't give names over the phone here. Like You can if you're but. talking in good terms, if you were pleased with them. Who, who do you work for? I worked for Dunstores. All right. And they were very good to you. Good. Good to they know. They were totally 100% supportive of every member of staff. Good. Good and, to know. And uh, I'm here in Carrigaline. Right. And Carrigaline were just, the management were fantastic. Good to they know. They still are. Good, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So good that the most exciting thing you bought during lockdown was Hoover bags. That's that's mm. great. That's great. Yeah. Is it, you, that was, that you, you don't really have a kind of a high flying life, do you, Mary? Do you know you don't, <laughs> you don't? You don't own a car. You bought <laughs> Hoover bags during lockdown. <laughs> I'm only I have messing a with you. I'm a dog. <laughs> we, of course. We we know each other, but until last night, I didn't know we knew each other. And thank you for everything you've done as well for the Besbrook commemoration for the last few no, years, where you've been stewarding well, actually, for no, us. That was the first time I was actually in Besbrook. I was usually working every other time. Yeah. But my husband and my nephew and my niece and all were always there. Yeah. So you did. With you'd, the bell, Mr. P. Yeah. You did a bit of stewarding <laughs> for us with, with Martin. Yeah. 
Mary, thank you. That's a great story. Loads of people are getting those. She got a text message from the Etoll people saying that she owes them money. And if she doesn't pay the money by clicking on the link, she'll get a letter, a nasty letter, looking for more money. <laughs> Woman doesn't even have a car. So those are out there. Mary, thank you. Yeah, there's a story connected to that. Russian hackers now. Comreg got hacked. I mean, if the communication regulator can get hacked, anybody can get hacked. They did. They got targeted in May and a load of data was rubbed. Fergal, you might print that one for me because it's, it's behind a wall there for me. I can't get into it. But yeah, Comreg got hacked. And now the Russian hackers say they will release, the Russians again, say they will release the stuff they stole from the communications regulator. I guess there's no end to it. 0818 96 96 96. The best of Cork Awards. You have been nominating in your droves over the last couple of weeks. Now today we're giving you the short lists in the various categories. And then from tomorrow at six, you can start to vote for your favourite. We've already had shortlist this morning for hairdresser, beauty salon and best bar. I might give them to you again if I'm in good form before we quit today. But I have best barber this hour. And the shortlist is Andy O'Sullivan Hair, Peaky Barbers, I love that name, The Legends Barber, Barber Lane, and Brooke Barber. That's Andy O'Sullivan Hair, Peaky Barbers, The Legends Barber, Barber Lane, and Brooke Barber. They are your short list for the best barber in Cork. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards 2023. And voting opens tomorrow at 6am. Between 10 and 11, I will give you the short list for best breakfast. I'm looking at it, and I can see two... That will battle it out for the win for the winning post there. Two of my favourite places to eat in the world are in the top five. Yeah, the Russian hackers, they, they've now threatened to publish the information. These crowd are called CIOP or C10P. They said they have 143 gigabytes. That's a lot of information. Of Congreg, Congreg data stolen in May. Uh, Comreg hasn't confirmed or the national cyber security people have not confirmed but Comreg regulates communications companies, internet service providers, broadcasters, mobile phone providers and it has tons of sensitive data. It was cyber attacked in May. They exploited a weakness in MoveIt now, MoveIt is a public transport app, but that's not it. It's a file transfer system used in Comreg. And now the Russians have loads of sensitive information and are threatening to release it. You, need, you really can't get ahead of them, can you? They're at it all the time. They're never not at it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello.
Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Some interesting suggestions for who you'd like to see in Parky Cueve in 2024. Rose says the Eagles. Yes. Yes. Charlotte, Coldplay. I see where one of their big European gigs, they've been putting up hashtags on their video screens as to where they're coming. And someone took a, a screenshot of a hashtag Coldplay Dublin. Whether well, that's a promise of something to come for 2024, but no sign of a Cork one. But Coldplay, yeah. Uh, Harry Styles would like to see, or Andrea rather, would like to see Harry Styles. Uh, Andrea Bocelli, no name on who wants to see that. Yep. Uh, Ramstein, says Owen. Oh, really pulling out the big guns there, Owen. Uh, Paul Simon, uh, recreation of the Graceland tour, says Michael Murphy. Chris Meehan, oh Chris, you're a man after my own heart. I would love to see uh, the Andre Ryu Orchestra. Fabulous, fabulous music. They're all over Sky Arts if you want to pick them up, by the way. And then, Catherine, I'd love to see Queen, but only if they could resurrect Freddy. <laughs> That's not likely to happen, but yeah, I know you said anything is possible for a fantasy gig. I know, I know. I saw Queen in Slane when they were there. Uh, Catherine, and you're right, uh, it would be fantastic. Now, they've done a great show or they do a great show with a, a chap called Adam Lambert who is absolutely fantastic he isn't Freddie he never will be Freddie but he can capture the sound and the buzz of Queen like, like nobody else really uh, but yeah Queen so who do you want to see I have the powers powers have been vested in me I have the powers to grant you a gig of your choice 1st of July 2024 in the open air at Parky Cueve it's for fun by the way in case anyone's losing their losing their reason now but who would you like to see Madonna would be my choice of the bigger artists then you've got Pink Lady Gaga others touring let's see who do you want to see in Parky Cueve in 2024. 0818 96 96 96. We touched base yesterday with the people at St. Finbar's Road. The flats at St. Finbar's Road are in as bad, Nick, if not worse than the flats in Newlands Road. And they're just around the corner. And was hoping to talk to one or two of the, the residents. And I'm glad to say that they're there now. Ray Cooper joins me. Ray, good morning. You're, you were pictured in the Echo dealing with dampness. It's bad, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How long are you living there? Um, 26 years. Okay. Okay. And what kind of things do you deal with? Under uh, the dampness in the bathroom. It's a disgrace, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Every time, every time I call them out, they, they refuse to come out. If, if you're paying your rent, shouldn't they be? Shouldn't they be entitled to some some standard of living? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have to hand. I'll, I'll pull it out here now. The um, the tenants' handbook for Cork, yes. for Cork City Council, because I had cause to look it up recently for somebody. And in terms of repairs, they're responsible mm-hmm. for rather a lot. Actually. Of course they are, yeah. And uh, look, if I sign the tenancy agreement, I put my weight, they have to pull their weight. Yeah. They're, they're, they've turned their, back, their backs on us for a long time now. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're responsible for structural repairs, walls, ceilings, floors. Of course. Skirtings, drains, chimneys, wet and dry rot, which is caused by damage, or, or mm-hmm. by damp, rather. For a fish. It's, for... it's got to the state now that it's, it's actually very, very unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it, is it the, coming into your electrics, for example? Yeah, and as well as that, like, there's a couple of fuse boxes that have blown up down through the years. Wow, wow. Yeah, they're, they're you know, responsible for the wiring. This, yeah, and the, the, stru- the structure itself as well, PJ, it, it, the integrity of it is, is, is gone past it. Like. Yeah, I see where Sean Martin has called for them to be pulled down yeah. and, and rebuilt. The thing is, where, where, and which is, and he reckons it could be started by the middle of next year, which, which sounds great, but where would you go? Well, look, there's uh, up by Sissy Young's there, there's, there's uh, apartments that have been built there. There's maybe 50 places up there that we could go. There's, look, there's, there's another place down in Barrow Street behind the pub that has been re- re- redone uh, apartments down there. There's probably another 30 places down there. So you'd, surely, surely they could put us, I mean, in, in all fairness, if, if they could strip these down, rebuild them, everyone would want to come back here. Yeah, it's a little community. Was it? Was it? Was it Dennis? I was talking to yesterday of a, li- a little community there, and that that's people, exactly what we are. We all look out for each other. You've lived there most of your lives. Like you, there for what twenty six years. You mind me asking how old you are? I'm fifty two. Fifty two. So you've lived there for half your life. Yeah, half your life exactly. All right. Yeah. Stay there. Stay there, Ray, Eddie. Hello, PJ. How are you? How are you, Eddie McAuliffe? What kind of stuff are you yeah. dealing with? Well, I'm dealing with a balcony that's unsafe. Um, my place was on the front of the Echo last night, so yeah. you've seen you've seen a black wall. I have a sod growing out of the downpipe and the gutter, which is one of the most famous sods in Cork. Mickey Welsh in Newlin Road has another one. And here's a question for you now. You know the most famous sod in Cork? The most famous sod in Cork? Yeah. Go on. The event centre? <laughs> oh, is that, oh, all right. So the oh, I see. So the reason we haven't got the second sod turned is it's up in your place, growing out of the drink because pipe. it's up. It's up on my gutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a, there was actually a birthday party for that side in Beamish. <laughs> yeah. and John O'Donovan and the rest of them. Listen, we did a we did a birthday party a few years ago for for a hole in the wall. So I, yeah, I know. But 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 how long are you there, Eddie? I'm there since 2011. Right, and that balcony <clears throat> looks very dodgy. Like you wouldn't be sitting out there with your morning coffee. I was up on the roof of that balcony. I used to go up there cleaning my window, but I would, it was a fellow said to me. He says, "Dear, dear." Dangerous. Don't go up and down the wall, by you fall through that. Yeah. And he was dead right. Do you know I don't go up there anymore? Like, pretty soon now I can't even look out the window because I can't clean it. Yeah, yeah, the window. Cause, and, yeah. Nobody... But there's a lot of stuff there, PJ. There's, I mean, the sewers back up every year or so, every, every year or two. Right. They have to get the professionals in to clean them. And they don't do it until it's backed up, until it's 100%. coming out onto the the back gardens, you know? Yeah, yeah. We we had a call last week from a lady on the north side of the city whose toilets are blocking up and we were subsequently yeah. told that now the council aren't doing drains anymore. Yeah. You know? I mean, Ray, Ray was on about the fuse boxes blowing. Yeah. yeah. That, happened, that happened a couple of years ago. That was under my place. And there was a water leak and I seen the water coming down. I rang the city council. Yeah. And 
they did nothing. Two days later, the whole place blew. I remember blew. that. Yeah, the whole place blew. Yeah, oh, yeah, and according again it was, to the tenants, there was fire the, brigades and uh, the city was, council. The ESP was gone for a few days. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it here. The tenants' handbook from Cork City Council says Cork City Council responsible for wiring, sockets, ceiling roses, lamp holders, light switches, immersion heaters, uh, heaters, heat and smoke detectors, <coughs> cisterns, water tanks, stopcocks. External waste pipes and drains, toilet bowls, and responsible for gutters and downpipes, but certainly responsible for the wiring and repairs to sockets and socket boxes. Yeah. And, and when you go to ring them and say there's something wrong, what kind of oh, response do you get? You get a number. You go into City Hall, you get, they give you the phone, and you ring the number, and you leave your, your message. Sometimes you get a reply, other times you want. Mm, sometimes you, know? you don't. No. I won't say they're completely useless because I have lung disease and there was a stove, there was a problem with the stove. The smoke mm. was coming out of it every time I fixed it. Right. Fixed the fire and it was setting off the smoke. Now, so you can imagine how bad that was. Yeah. To my health, you know? Yeah. But they came out and they half sorted it. Oh, they half sorted. No, he says, I'll come back again now and I'll do more. But sure. That was, that was about two months ago, you know? They looked after one of your lungs. Hold on, Eddie. Hold on, Ray. Sinead. Hello. Sinead Murphy, you're at number right. 11. What, what, right. What's your place like? Oh, mine is just as bad, really. Like, the windows are hanging out. You can't close them. The dampness, again. Heating system is not right. They have to be reset every time. Mm. The, the rags are too small for the house. They're not heating the house at all. Or all. From the winter, now, you'll have to light the fire as well as to put the heating on. So it's yeah. kind of ridiculous, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long are you there? 15 years. 15 years. And with, with energy prices, you sound like you're wasting an awful lot of money just trying to keep the place warm. Oh, it is, yeah. Like I've one of these prepaid, uh, prepaid uh, meters, and I mean, you're putting what, nearly 80 euros a week into it, as well as paying for the coal as well, you know? 80 quid a so, week? Easily, yeah. yeah. As well as as well as topping up them with your coal and whatever else you may need during the winter. So now, come the winter, I'm probably going to consider going into the sitting room with my new baby because of the windows. Because I can't take the baby up in the room at all, like. Yeah. And the windows? You know, the windows are... Oh, they the won't windows close. They're drafting. And I'm after, re- I'm after reporting them. Now, I had this issue when I came here. And it took me uh, maybe two weeks straight every single day to ring them to come out and look at the windows. The curtains were blowing in on top of me. And they came out and they looked at the sitting room windows. They replaced them and didn't touch the rest of them. <laughs> Hang on. The windows... The curtains were blown through closed windows. Uh-huh. Yes. That's, yeah. that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's right, and as I said, they yes, came out. They came out. They done the two sitting room windows, and they didn't look at anything else. Then. See. So I'm five years now with those windows, and I'm not complaining. I was back down there again a few months ago while I was pregnant, and they could see that. And I said, "Look, the baby's going to be here soon. I need something done with the windows. We logged that. We logged that. And should have known ever called me or called up or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And the the the, the thing is that. And listen to all three of you. If we were talking about people living in private accommodation, there'd be an uproar. It would have private accommodation. It's like as if our money is not, if our money is not doing anything, you know, but if you're in private accommodation <coughs> paying rent, it would be sorted. Why is it that we're paying the rent and we can't be looking yeah, at Yeah, but Sinead, they can't justify that. If we're tenants, mm. uh, yeah. you know, there should be, there should be some decency there, like, they should be looking at us with some, yeah. you know, 
And even my balcony there now is just crumbling, crumbling underneath me. The railings are coming apart. Oh, no. You know, and that's what I'm saying. It's unsuitable for There's me and for the baby and for my daughter. But look, it is what it is. We're here. I know doing the Japanese knotweed. Jesus, that's overgrown. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been out to my back garden in about five years. Cause I went down and reported it. I was cutting it forever. And I went down and reported it. And they told me, do not cut that ever again. That's what they tell you, but they do nothing about it afterwards. Yeah. No. Somebody was saying to me yesterday that the was a dentist that the, the knotweed is actually coming into the drains now. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Now, look, that's a scourge to get rid of. It's very specialised to try to yeah. get rid of it, but you'd think they'd come out and, and have a look at it at have least. A look at it I, at remember, least. I remember reading a story in the Sunday Times years ago, and they called it the, the weed that ate our house. Yeah. And it's true. Uh, it's growing rapidly, like. Wow. Wow. You know. PJ, yeah. there's two rules for Cox City Council. Eddie, yeah? And, that, and yeah, and the HAP scheme, there's a list of demands that for the landlord for the house to be fixed up. And they won't do those. They want to fix up those issues for us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are ye covered? This is a question I'm throwing out there because I don't know the answer. I probably should. Are ye covered by PRTB rules? PJ. Yes, Ray. PJ, uh, I, I refuse to pay my rent for nine weeks because, as Sinead said, the window seals are all gone in the flats. Yeah. So when you, when you close your curtains, the windows actually, you can see the, wind, the, the curtains blowing. So all, all your heating is going out through the windows. All, everything that you're putting into it to keep it warm is going out. And if I refuse to pay my rent for nine weeks, they told me if I refuse to pay it again, that they'd, they'd uh, kick me out. So I was, I was just trying to make a point to him, like. I know. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. Basically, told me, no, no, if you're not, if you're not pay your rent and get it up to date, we will have to break your tenancy agreement. Should yeah, I talk that a long time ago? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to see who's responsible for maintenance of windows according to the handbook. Interestingly enough, <laughs> I don't see a direct reference to it. Well, I had a guy out here a few weeks ago to look at them. I uh, booked him over online and he came out, looked at them, and he wanted to charge me 300 euros for two hinges and two handles. I said, forget about it, forget about it. I said, That's, to be honest, I said, I can't afford it. And simply, why should I fix them? Hmm. Was he a council? No, I actually, he was a private guy because I felt like I had no other option to go private. Oh, hold on. I have it. I have it. I have it. Cork City Council is responsible for repair and maintenance of external doors, frames, weatherboards, window frames and sashes. Well, there you go now. So that's it. In the handbook. In in the handbook. Tenant's handbook. So the council is responsible. So if your window frames are leaking to the point where the curtains are blowing in the wind when the window is closed. Yeah. That's the council's that's the council's problem. Of course it yeah. is. Yeah. How would you feel the three of you I take you one at a time about Sean Martin's idea of being oh, moved I'd, out? I'd, I'd agree with it one hundred percent. Would you? Yeah. 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 And and if they if they flattened these and rebuilt them I can guarantee everyone will come back into because we, because we are a little community. We are a parish that look after each other. Yes, yes. And there is a place not exactly a million miles away that she could be sent. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll talk, to, I'll talk to Sean Martin about this in just a couple of minutes. More aid from our newsroom is heading up uh, to meet some of you guys at 11. Uh, so we'll... we'll 
we'll hopefully have audio from her tomorrow and she can describe what she sees as well so to Ray and Eddie and Sinead thank you all and good luck with this because you're living in atrocious conditions and if it was and to be fair to Mick Barry he said this in the doll last week I don't have the clip to hand just now he said if this was a private tenant or a private landlord there would be ructions this is a public body yeah Sean Martin Councillor Sean Martin good morning Sean Morning, TJ. Tear them down and rebuild them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, basically, TJ, the councils of the South Central Ward have been, over the years, asking for a retrofit program uh, to be put, be put in place for that area, and it hasn't happened. Um, and I don't think the opportunity is there because there's a new development on Barrack Street, and there's a new development on Benoit Discross coming on the street. Mm. And it gives us the opportunity of decanting and um, allowing people the opportunity to move somewhere else and in two or three years' time when the new build is completed that they have an option to come back in again. So these are places that are currently being built as public housing, Sean? Yeah. yeah. And will be... Re- so you move the... Decant, to use that term, move the people out, give them temporary accommodation there and then when they're new places... Think, you, you believe that work could be underway this time next year. Sean Martin, I'm sorry no, pal, you're around the, ro- the the block a bit more, a bit longer than that. You really think we could do it in a year? Well, Peter, the way I looked at this, I mean, I'm there a long, long time. That's what I'm saying to you, you know better. Yeah. But the point is, there's funding available for national government and under the SHIP programme to do, do to do bills on brownfield sites and greenfield sites. If you knock it, it becomes a brownfield site and to be easier to get funding to do, do development on the site. Ah, um, that's we, interesting. We have done the retrofit, PJ, and the retrofit has been very effective and polled off by the hand. Yeah. They've all been done there. They look well. Um, but these, these are beyond retrofitting, no, Sean? I suspect they are at this stage. There has been no take-up on the retrofit. Every council in fairness in the ward has put motions down over the years requesting that, that they be included in the retrofit programme, and it hasn't happened. Mm. Now, I was looking at the developments in the area. There's about 36, 37 units coming on stream in Barrick Street. There's 40 plus coming on stream and then Roaches Cross. And I'm just saying, if, if we're serious about starting the problems of. Yeah, the accommodation. I remember when they started retrofitting up in, was it Mayfield years ago? And they did a fabulous job and refurbishing. But those flats were nothing like as bad in terms of the conditions as these are now. I mean, I went past Finbar's Road on the, on the bus the other day and I was looking. I got, God almighty, they cannot be safe. They clearly aren't. The CPG, you have four people sharing an entrance, okay? You've got a different age profiles, people with different needs, and sometimes the mix might be quite right. You have one occupiers there who want to stay there. Um, and like all this is, it, it have to have serious discussions with council management. And we'd have to, in, we'd have to engage with the residents and show them what we're proposing and show them the different options that are available to them. Um, and, and there's no one coercing anybody here. This is about trying to find a medium to long term solution to the problem so that we how could you drive this through you know yourself as an elected councillor Sean you're there long enough you know that over the years your powers have been diluted to the point where they're practically non-existent anymore you, you, you'd be dealing with the other side of City Hall how would you push this through well, see PJ I, 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 I look at I, I think Sean is you and the powers of council sometimes we've lost the power because we're not man enough to make the big decisions um, and I think some councils at times to pass it over it's the government's problem I think councillors can have the power if they're willing to, to back it up. Yeah, but so much, so much of what you're looking for now is executive decision. It's, uh, well, look, it's, it, the, the developments are, are, are coming on screen, PJ. There's an opportunity there. If council 
um, are interested in solving a problem. And right. I, 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 I'm, I have a mind to think that there is a, a mind there now to, to solve this problem going forward. Yeah, because that was I, the one question I was asking myself when I read about what you were saying, like, and you're not the first to say it, but you're saying it loudly, pull them down, demolish yeah. them, get rid of them, rebuild them. And my first thoughts were, where will we put these people? There's, there's space around the corner. That's my point, TJ. I, I, I like... When it was one councillor was questioning what I was at and I said something's two and two makes four there's going to be 70 odd units coming on stream in the area so you're not taking people out of the area you're facilitating them within the area that they're living in at the moment so that wouldn't be any great change for them now, so that, would you have the one, la- the one difficult question that arises then with these 70 units that are coming on stream that could be used temporarily would you be pushing other people further down the housing list you, you, that, that's you would be, you would, like, there's no point. If you give the 70 odd units to, to the people living in this area, you would be. But we have, this project has been ongoing in the Northwest West War for 20, 20 years. Mm. Um, and it's walked up there. Mm. Um, and, like, if, if, we're, if we're saying they're not fit for purpose, then we have to, we have to, we have to, make, we have to solve the problem. And the solution to the problem is, is that we have new housing coming on stream in the area, and we can make a serious attempt to offer this to the people living there, either on a temporary basis or permanently. And there's also some other units that might come in the stream in, in the South Central area. There's people who are owner-occupiers who might be interested in discussing the Sure. And, and how, if, if supposing demolition, we had bulldozers on site, as you seem to believe we could have, and I'm not saying you're wrong, if we had bulldozers on site by this time next year, how quickly could we rebuild? Well, PJ, if you look at, you, you, you see the area, Nas Road is two blocks, there's a big open space in front of the two of them. Um, you could say, if you're, if you're, you could, there's no reason, the money's there at the moment, and it's, it's a rugby parlance, use it or lose it. And you know and I know there's cycles where we don't have funding in the, in the state, and there's cycles where there's available funding. There's available funding at the moment in that programme, we should move on it. And, and I think if, if well, there's no reason why at the end of next, next year, or the middle of September, October next year, that we can't have someone on site developing a part of the Finbar Road, or the Finbar Road section, or a part of the Nunes Road section. All there's right. no it's one we'll follow. It's one we'll keep an eye on over the next 12 months here on the show. Sean, thank you. Councillor Sean Martin, who believes that A, the money is there, B, the temporary accommodation, for want of a better expression, is there. So let's get in, let's demolish Newlands Road, let's demolish Finbar's Road, and let's get those people out for now and back in if they want to come back in afterwards. The downside is, yes, the housing list, people are hoping to get off the housing list into these new bills, they'd be pushed back a bit. That's the downside. But you're, it's only a matter of time if what you're hearing, and we'll, we'll hear from Maureen tomorrow, and we'll hear that what, what she discovers when she goes up there about the state of the place. But, but you're only looking for something serious to happen. And then you'd be digging out the tape of this in six months' time, and you'd be told... You'd be saying, well, we kind of warned you, didn't we? 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Okay, we have a few suggestions for Parky Cueve, but I will get to them in a minute. Theft, petty theft in our city centre stores is a massive problem. It's got to be such a problem now that a lot of store owners just aren't bothering to report theft to the guards because 
they would feel, what's the point in ringing the bridewell over a couple of sandwiches or a pair of shoes or a T-shirt or a phone? What's the point? They're so overrun with theft now, they're not going to have the time to investigate it. Cork Business Association has said, Kevin Hurley, what you're saying is, we understand that, but report it anyway. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, so we um, had a meeting last week, PJ, um, our monthly um, business association executive meeting where uh, Sergeant Brian McSweeney attended the meeting. And Brian is the uh, crime prevention officer in Anglesey Street. And um, he kind of startled us a little bit in telling us that there's been a 53% increase in thefts from shops in Mm. Cork City so far this year versus last year. And... um, the items that are most being targeted are, are alcohol and sportswear. And the concern that the Gardaí are having is that there's a lot of um, shop owners and managers and staff that are just not reporting theft. And the guards just really want to know the numbers so that they can, I suppose, they can resource adequately and that they have a knowledge of what's happening. So the the the, the the request from us out to our members and indeed to all um, business owners in Cork City is that you need to report a theft from your shop. And in my own case, when I own three central stores in the city centre. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss um, and you know our theft would be alcohol it might be a bottle of coke it might be a Mars bar something mm. like that and then you would have um, a high end retailer for example a, 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 cl- a closed shop or something like that that might have a five or six hundred euro jacket stolen so the, the request is that you know, you report everything to the Gardaí. Yeah. And the way to do that is to uh, do it through the 99 number or the 112 number. And it's the fastest route really? to get immediate and prompt attention from the Gardaí. Okay. Devil's advocate question here. Would you be ringing 999 over a chicken and stuffing stamp sandwich and a bottle of Coke, Kevin? Would you? I, To be honest, PJ, I would have been something that we would have let go in the past. But we're getting that direction from the guards now. Well, so, like, I, I've well, not just phoned the Bridewell, working. maybe phoned the Bridewell yeah. public office and reported there, maybe. No, the the, the request coming back in from from oh. uh, Brian uh, McSweeney last week is to do it through the nine 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 channel. Um, 
Yeah, I know I was a bit surprised at it now myself, to be honest. Like that's, they they, the they, they, they kind of say emergency, emergency what service. I mean, you expect to call that out for an ambulance or a fire or something like that. You don't expect to, to call 999 for, for a bottle of coconut I think, sandwich. I think, PJ, it's something to do with the fact that, you know, in times gone by, you would ring, say, I would have rang Angsley Street Station directly if there yeah. had been a theft or whatever. Now they have a new. Um, oh, it's a dispatch phone record, right? Yes, exactly. It's a dispatch exactly, record. Exactly. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. You, but you, you, you wouldn't. I'm sorry. Wouldn't you feel like a bit of a gold though? Ringing nine 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 for a stolen pizza, like you know, you would. I, I I agree, but this is this is what we the direction we were given last week. So fair it's enough. A bit of a strange run. Fair, and in fairness, fair. I, I know Sergeant Misrini. He's he's been on the show. He gives solid advice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he does. Absolutely. He does. Sure does. <laughs> but no, but the, the level of it, though, Kevin, the, in all seriousness, the level of it is just mad. It, it, it has gone pretty bad, I have to say, you know, in relation to um, uh, theft across, you know, the, the, the stats are there. 53% is the stats that they gave us last week. And, you know, it's unfortunately... Uh, it, it is happening throughout the city. I'm employing security in all my stores now every day of the week. Mm. Um, it's not a cost for your business. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge cost to the business, but it's a deterrent, you know, to, mm. to be fair. If um, the guy who's going to attempt to steal something from the store sees a security guard within the store, then we hope, and I would say a lot of the time, they do mm. turn around and they say, look, I'll go somewhere else. Do you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan, and I'm not just saying it because you're there, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of the coffee the Frank and Honest coffee, and but oh, I'm thinking yes. most of those machines and the little snacks that are stored around them, they're a direct straight line between the machine and the door. There must be an awful lot of that theft going on. Fellas getting a, a cappuccino and a, and a Kit Kat and walking out. Um, it's not a it's not a massive part. I'm able to I'm able to do it on my computer every week. Uh, maybe. 30 cups per week something like that per right. store something that wouldn't be massive It'd be about 2 or 3% of our overall uh, coffee sales so it's not a huge it's not a huge part sorry no I'm, I'm putting all my cards on the table here everyone's probably got a calculator around calculating how much coffee I sell but um, mm. to be fair that's not a, that's not a massive well, part 30 of cups of coffee is nearly 100 quid Kev in pure it is, I know, I know. But look, we, we take that into account when we're doing our budgets every Gosh, year as regards yeah. what we're going to No, I'm just thinking in terms of the kind of stuff that people steal. And look, look, yeah. I'm sorry, no, I know that you have, you will always have uh, the call that pricks your conscience and said, look, if you're someone who has just slept in the doorway of Debenhams and you're starved with the hunger and you haven't got a cent to your name, you know, a cup of coffee and a sandwich... Yes, it hurts Kevin's business, but it fills your belly. We have to be cognizant of that too. I suppose we do, PJ. But look, I'm I'm a I'm a business owner, and I'm that. not going to advocate anybody coming in no. uh, themselves to coffee and sandwiches in my store. No, 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 and I'm not suggesting that you would. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not suggesting that you would, but there's but definitely everything. And the the message to your members is report everything. Absolutely, report everything. No matter how big or small it is, as I said um, to your colleague Murray the other day on the news, um, be it a bottle of coke or a six hundred euro jacket, it has to be reported. Okay, okay. We talked earlier in the year, Kevin, about the level of aggression that you were coming across. Any change in that? Um, look, we have a certain amount of aggression towards uh, our staff, but it's not. 
it's not massive. I think I said to you the last time I was talking to you that, you know, the store in the Grand Parade is open until 3.30 in the morning on a Saturday night. And call, let's call a spade a spade. The majority of the customers that are coming in are after having a couple of drinks, some mm. of them more so than others. Mm. But I would have to say that 99% of them are just happy, jolly, they want to get their chicken roll, they want to get their cigarettes mm. or whatever else they want to buy. Maybe it's unsteady on their feet. That's out the level of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I worked at, I worked at that shift myself a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I would have to say that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun shift. Uh, it's certainly an eye-opener. Um, but it is, uh, as I said, like the majority of people aren't causing any trouble. They're just there to get their uh, their bits and pieces Good. before they go home to get Good. into a taxi and go home, you know. Here's the thing, we actually. have a certain amount of it during the day as well. Yeah, there's a thing, though. You're open, like you said, until the until the wee small hours at the weekend. So which means you'll have noticed changes I think I said this to you before, in town with my daughter at a show a couple of months ago and just as I was waiting for the bus home I fancied a, a bag of chips and there wasn't a bag of chips to be had at 11 o'clock at night. That's a big change. It certainly is. Um, you know, when I was nightclubbing in my 20s, only only a few years ago I would add, <laughs> um, you know, there was plenty of uh, plenty of trippers all along Washington Street and, and Patrick Street and, and Oliver Plunk Street and so on. And the nighttime economy has certainly taken a hit. You know, there's very few nightclubs around, but people's um, habits have certainly changed since COVID as well, PJ. Mm. You know, I've uh, there's members in the Cork Business Association who would tell you that they're much busier earlier in the day, people coming out to watch matches or do whatever, come out for dinner and going home earlier. So I think there's been a change of culture. Um, it has been to the detriment of late night um, uh, business, but there are still a couple of bars open. Like, unfortunately, Soho is closed at the moment, which yeah. is right next to us on the Grand Prix. A lot of work going on but there, open. actually. I see it in the morning. Yeah, a lot of work. So fingers crossed that reopens uh, as soon as possible. Um, and, you know, that, that, that would be a boost to the to the to the nighttime economy, um, and I know the Cork City Council at the moment are recruiting a nighttime economy officer, um, and that's somebody that's going to come in and try and advise business owners and advise how to, how we can boost the the economy better in, in the evening time, and that, I think that would be a very very good thing for for Cork City because it's a great city to go out in, it's a super city to to you know to enjoy yourself. Mm. I have um, friends from other cities. I went to college in Galway for four years, and I know that city very well as well. Well, I have to say Cork is a great town to go out in. Yeah, it always was. It always was. And yes. hopefully one time it one time soon it will be again. On the theft, just lastly, Kevin, um, John is saying when the guards are called, they often say, and I've heard this, give us an undertaking, you won't go into that store again. And that'll be the end of the matter. They're so overworked. They have so much other crime to look at. They almost have to bargain with the robbers. It's a disgrace the level of policing service we've been left with because of the lack of budget. The guys are overworked. They certainly are, PJ. You know, we're we're liaising with Anglesey Street all the time. Um, and Chief Superintendent Tom Myers and Superintendent John DC were talking to them all of the time and we're screaming. We met with the um, Assistant Commissioner in May, um, Eileen Foster, not to be mistaken, but Arlene Foster. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we put our stall to her that we need more guards in the street. We need more boots on the ground. This is a huge issue for Cork. And, you know, they are going through a recruitment process at the moment. There are more guards going through Temple Moor. It's going to take time. Um, but I certainly would hope 
that there would be more guards uh, in Cork City hopefully over the next uh, year or two. All right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk again in the course of that time and hopefully uh, it will come to pass. Kevin Hurley, President of Cork Business Association. Thank you. 0818969696. That's the instruction from Anglesey Street from Sergeant McSweeney who was on this show a few months ago talking about other related matters. If something is taken from your shop, even whether it's a 500 euro jacket or a piece of electronic equipment or a chicken and stuffing sandwich and a bottle of Coke, ring 999 or 112. And that way the theft is registered. And that way they get the stats. Interesting. And and they're busy enough without ringing 999 for that kind of thing, but that's where they'll get their numbers from. Again, next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. It's hard to get a point in town now for for less than, than six quid. And it's going to go up again, according to the latest news. Diageo, that's the Guinness people, um are looking at uh, four cents plus VAT on the price of a pint. Michael Donovan from VFI. Michael, this is ridiculous, man. Yeah, it's not good timing, PJ. It's not what we want. Um, We were informed this morning by the board of Diageo to our board that this price increase was going to take place in the middle of August. Um, They're citing rising business costs. Um, we said to them this morning, you know, we've seen, uh, all of us as individual publicans have seen our electricity and gas, I suppose, over the last six, eight weeks, uh, slightly decline. It's still at an all-time high, but from the high of February, March, uh, we have seen a reduction. And we're, we've been asking them to, you know, uh, to reconsider this because um, input costs for their products, their sizing are going up. We're hearing probably the opposite. And um, we'd be appealing to them still at this stage to really reconsider this decision immediately because, you know, we see with our, our, our own uh, customers across the country, you know, with mortgage increases, with the cost of living, uh, with grocery inflation, you know, that's people are stretched you know we've, we've seen it across the summer uh, from our members and um, this year it's been very much uh, reliant on the domestic tourists as opposed to the foreign tourists mm. because of the shortage of beds uh, because of the government having them contracted so um, it's, not this one, just for it's not one thing it's another across the across the bar countertop michael what taps will this affect this for for uh, it's it's all the Diageo draft products so Guinness Rockshore Harp Carlsberg um, Hop House 13 uh, Rockshore um, they're their draft products that they would have uh, they'd be the main ones that Diageo and they have. say the cost of production has gone up but sure if you were to take a look at Diageo's sales and Diageo's profit margins uh, the ones that they publish they're 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 a company that are making huge profits Heineken put their prices up recently uh, was it 17% they were making enormous profits yeah it's uh, this is what's very frustrating PJ for us we um 
we're you know we're we're their customer and they tell us that they're putting the price up we can only appeal to them um, and you know look our own members will have to make a decision on what they do mm. uh, in their own premises individually because look a uh, uh, you know four cent plus vat that's probably going to equate to somewhere around the ten cent mark if people are going to um, okay. pass on the the pricing uh, increase which at this time is not uh, is not ideal. Six, so. You're looking at six fifty plus for 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 a pint of Rockshore. That's mad. You know the way the VFI represents. How many pubs do you represent, Mike? Uh, we've about three three thousand eight hundred okay. nationally uh, pubs, of no, which there's you, almost seven hundred here in Cork. Right. So and no. You take Guinness. The pint of Guinness is probably sold in every one of those pubs. There would. This is a thick question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. In terms of volume purchase, the VFI has no muscle with Diageo that say copies of Onlads. We're buying millions of pints. Yeah, un- unfortunately, we're, we're because we're a trade federation. We're we're not allowed to discuss. Uh, um, that kind of uh, issue with Diageo. Um, it's it's, uh, it's law of the land, unfortunately. To me, Michael, if the, if the VFI was able to go to Diageo and say, listen now, cop on, how many millions of pints of Guinness are we buying off you people every year? Yeah, because each publican is, a, is an individual, while we represent the publicans, of which I am one. Um, unfortunately, we can't do... Uh, group trades like that uh, it's prohibited because it would be seen it, it be comes cartel, under the, the, the cartel exactly yeah, that's what it falls LFI. under the LVF then looking for their cut and I suppose there is that that's why I said it was a thick question but I'd ask it anyway you know. yeah it's, it's, been, it's been asked many a time before and it's very frustrating at times when you're sitting at a table across from companies and you're, you'd love to be able to do something like that and mm-hmm. un, unfortunately uh, the, wor- the world runs on volume discount yeah it the world does, of business runs on volume discount um, they're yeah, it, it's just uh, it's just very frustrating that we're unable to do that because of the laws of the land and prohibiting us from doing it in competition uh, laws as well. Do you think others will follow suit now? Could you see a letter coming in from Heineken? Uh, well, I hope not because, as you alluded to there earlier, Heineken increased last November and they put it up by 17 cents plus fat last November. So while this is the second increase from Diageo this year, um, this brings them in line with others. So we would hope that, uh, that others would hold Michael. firm at the, pro- at the moment. We're, because not, we're not far short of the €7 Euro pint. Now, normally we reserve that for electric picnic, but we're not short of the seven euro pint in the downtown pub yeah it's it's uh it's it's not ideal pj it's not i think a place that we ever envisaged that we would be heading towards um if we went back four years it's 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 crazy to think the the price increases that we've taken uh in since 2018 to where we are now in 2023 because even Um, with and i know you know this even with minimum pricing and all that that caused all the furore that caused even with minimum pricing I can, and you'd take Guinness I can still get f- four cans of draft Guinness for under a tenner four pints 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's the competition that we face, and I've been on your program before, and I've said the competition we have now is with people's, uh, you know, living room because uh, people can go to their uh, local supermarket, and uh, while it's while the prices there have increased, uh, you know, exponentially as well since minimum unit price came in at the start of last year, it's um, it's it's still the big competition that we have. And there's the thing. Go back to pre-COVID that wonderful time we talk about in the distant past, say say July of 2019, what was the price of a pint of Guinness in, in your place? Um, it was, it was about five euro mark, five, 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 ten, I think, something like that. Right, and now uh, Off the top the of my head. And now what is um, It's 5.70 right now. Right. And Guinness is always a little bit cheaper than the lagers. Yeah, I'm six euros for a pint of lager uh, and 5.70 for a pint of Guinness. Ah, oh, all right, Michael. That's 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 hard for to be dealing with. And look, publicans get get a, a hard rap now and again. But the actual there's the thing before you before you the actual portion in terms of margin on a standard point of Guinness. What is it? It's it roughly PJ. You know, the brewery take a third. The government take. Uh, slightly more than a third, and we're left with the, to pay everything out of the what's slightly less than the last third, right. and that's the general rule of thumb. So, if you're if you're turning if you're turning fifty cents profit on a point, that's a lot. Yeah, and we have to pay. You know, your staff. You have to pay your electricity. That's your, after all that. That's after all that. You have to you have to pay all your bills after all out of your section of it. Thank you. All right, Michael. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I have sympathy for publicans trying to deal with that. Middle of August. Hopefully, the weather will improve. The price of a couple of cold ones. It'll soon go over seven quid. Like that's that's that would keep you out of town, down the offy, and into the fridge. It would. It shouldn't. I shouldn't say like that. I should think like that. But it would. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. The Red and Ross in the morning. Weekdays when you wake up on Cork's ninety six FM. What are those things that you go, okay, I'm back in Cork. This ain't London anymore. I mean, your first trip to Super Value is always a new, like this time I, there was an old man and he was one of those farmers who looked like he put on a jumper in 1978 and hadn't taken it off since. <laughs> oh, we all and, know those, don't and, we? Uh, I, was, I was poking around some bit of Super Value. And he kind of leaned in, he went, welcome out of the television. <laughs> <laughs> I think you crawled up like the girls in the ring. <laughs> In the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. I am in so much trouble. I'm going to be called before into the office. I am going to have a dressing down. At two minutes past twelve, 
not for anything we've done, but for something I didn't do. I didn't give you the best breakfast nominations for the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards 2023. I was supposed to give them to you in the last hour. So you can start voting from 6 a.m. tomorrow and you'll be voting for about the next two weeks. We'll do the awards in August. All right. So for best breakfast, the shortlist is Tony's Bistro, The Spitjack, Lab 82, The Barn and Liberty Grill. Two of my favorite places to eat in the world are in that list. I obviously am not going to name them. Tony's Bistro, The Spitjack, Lab 82, The Barn and Liberty Grill our nominations for best breakfast you can start voting from 6 o'clock tomorrow I have one more set of nominations to give you before 12 and that's for best coffee and I'm looking at that shortlist now and there's a a long standing repeated winner in that list yet again it's a new name in it who's in our list for best coffee I'll give it to you before we quit at 12. The best Cork Awards 2023 only on Cork's 96FM. You have been giving me suggestions all morning on who you'd like to see if I could arrange a gig for you. If I could pick up the phone to any promoter you want. Be it Mr. Aiken himself or Mr. MCD or Mr. Keating, Tom Keating, anyone that you could organise a big gig for. They'll get it sorted. They'll bring them in. I'm saying 1st of July next summer Parky Cueve who would you like to see? Celine Dion says Kim. Sam Fender is another message we get. Andrea Bocelli, Ramstein, uh, Springsteen, Westlife, Paul Simon, George Ezra. Eddie, you are talking my language, dude. Have you ever seen them before? Morning, ELO. I, <laughs> I haven't, PJ. I, I went to see... Um, Jeff Lindsay ELO about I said just before COVID yeah. about three or four years ago they were in Dublin yes that's and right myself and the wife we booked uh, a hotel we, we were supposed to stay in, in the Red Cow and went up put, checked in went for a, the wife like shopping so or she went in around that place in Dublin whatever it was called the, the, the main Java Street was and it? you got the email so I, I didn't even get an email I got a phone call from my daughter she said, uh, Dad, you know the concert is cancelled tonight. And oh. I said, no, I didn't hear anything. And checked my phone, and sure enough, there was an email on us. The concert had been cancelled. Jeff Lynn got sick. I was he on the train. I was on the train. You're, not, you're kidding me. I was on the train <laughs> to the same gig when I got the, said that I got the email, and I was furious. Yeah, same here. Like, we were already after checking into the hotel. We were, you know, getting ready to go. We were going to go for buy teas and then head to the concert. Yeah. And, like, so devastating. Yeah. Did you get to... I, I got to the rescheduled one. Did you? Unfortunately, I didn't. We tried to book the hotel for the following week and it was booked out. Mm. Uh, we could have booked this if we took two nights. Yeah. You have to take two nights. So I said, no, I said, forget about it. So we got our money back for the tickets. But... I regret it. I regret not going up because I met a friend of mine after and he said he went up the following week as well and he said it was outstanding. Eddie, it was, it was stuff like. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I saw I saw Queen in Slane. And, yeah, and to tell you to tell you that ELO in the three arena was... Don't tell me they were better now. They were on the same level. Oh, for God's sake. 
They were. Um, yeah, I was there. I was there with, with my friend Ken O'Sullivan, who's been an ELO fan since we were both boy broadcasters back in the very, very early eighties. Long time and ago, yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> he, I mean, he he has all the albums right back, and he was no, I, almost in tears next to me at the joy of seeing these guys after being there since a boy. It was just wonderful. And you want to see yeah. them in Parky Cueve? I would love to see them in Parky Cueve. Yeah. I'd up the front. <laughs> He's nearly eighty, is Jeff Lynn. I don't care. I'm 61. No, no. Electric. Absolutely massive. And what, you know, what's better again? My son loves them now as well. So. Yeah, it's funny enough, my my son loves them as well. And he bought me, um, he bought me an album there, which is four or five years ago. I know it's, uh, um, it was, it was Christy Dignam doing cover versions of different songs. Yes, telephone line. Telephone line. My God, he just made an absolute gem of the song. He's the only one I ever heard sing that song that could come. It's gorgeous. It's It's brilliant. No, I'd love to see. And and you know what the encore is? Of course, the 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 encore is Mr. Blue Sky. Just that's right. With fifteen of them on stage, and it's just magic. I hope it. Now that's one I'd go to myself, Eddie. Thank you very much, Eddie Pepper. Wants the Electric Light Orchestra. Shanti, you think I should go to? Go to Amsterdam to see Madonna because she's definitely there. Morning. Hi, PJ. Hi. You? I'd love to see her in in Parque Cueve, but you've gone to Amsterdam. Did you go? Did you, did you go to Amsterdam to see Beyonce? I did. Yeah, yeah. I um, I do have to say that I didn't go specifically to see Beyonce. I was going anyway because right. I am from the Netherlands, and you know the tickets was also for seeing my family. But uh, yeah, I went to see Beyonce in uh, Amsterdam in uh, the arena in uh, just outside Amsterdam City. The Ziggo Dome, um, they call it. Is that an indoor or outdoor venue? No, this was in the uh, arena, the Johan Krauss um, Stadium, and the Ziggo Dome is next to it. I see. And that's that one has a roof, um, and then the arena has a roof that they can put on and take off. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. It's a massive venue. And, you know, Beyonce puts on an amazing show. Yeah, so Absolutely I'm told. Amazing. Did, did, yeah. Are you going? I know that Madonna's booked there for December. Are you going? Yeah, ticket bought. And, of course, I'll go see Mum and Dad as well. And, yeah. um, you know, have uh, a bit of fun. And it's it's great. It's just uh, the whole setup there. It's, uh, it's lovely. You know, we can uh, bring our... Um, our leaders to Amsterdam and show them around, or even Utrecht, where I'm from, and show them around and just show them how it can be done. There's the um, thing, actually. I was doing the survey yesterday where Cork was number 24 in the world in terms of quality of life, and I looked at the top 10, and there's three Dutch cities there. Yeah. Well, what's I have the, a big, the magic um, of it? Um, the magic of it is, I think, that they actually cater for the people. They want people to be able to get to work and they want people to be able to get home and then also have a life because that's when people are the happiest, when they can have a balance between them. And I, I am part of a multicultural uh, society here in, uh, in, in Cork. And, and when we do discuss our life here in Cork, very often we talk about the lack of places to go to if you compare it to any city that any of my friends are, are from, you know, the lack of museum, the, you know, concert, like we're talking about concerts now, and I and I absolutely go see anybody, and I'm with you, Adam Lambert, I'd love to see Adam Lambert, and if Janet Jackson would ever come 
anywhere in Europe, I'd be the first one to buy a ticket. Yeah. But what I would really want, and, and this goes, you know, this goes across, across the board for gigs and things, um, have an earlier start. Why do we have to start at you know, nine o'clock at night? Can we have day race? Can we have day discos? Can start a little earlier, finish earlier. Everybody That's gets home on time. You know, that would just be really lovely. And still do the night stuff. Of course, there is demand for that. But there are a lot of people and, you know, like, I'm exhausted at nine o'clock in the evening. And to, <laughs> oh, yeah, to yeah. go out and start the evening and, you know, it is lovely. But it just, when you do get a little bit older or if you have responsibilities for the day yeah. with children or whatnot. Then, for an open know. air show, though, Shanti, you, in, the, in the summer, you need the dark for the lights and things. That's the problem. Yeah, but you know, some people don't mind if they miss out on that. So if you have a mix, if you can do a day and you do the rest night or two days and the rest night and see if people like it. If you never try, you never know. If you never try, you never know. Love that saying. Thank you, Shanti. And we did actually once have, um, we did once have on a Sunday in July, for a number of years, we had Parky Cueve with a thing called Shimsa Kosh Lee. And it was Kenny Lee, the late great Kenny Lee, who put it together. And there would be always you'd have the wolf tones. There would always be Bagatelle. There would always be one or two other support acts. And then you had a big name. And I saw Glenn Campbell down there. And I saw Leo Sayer down there. And I saw Don McLean down there. And they were finished by half past seven. So so it has been done. Dee, who would you like to see down the park? Morning. Good morning, TJ. I'd love to see Neil Diamond. Saw him in Lansdowne Road and in Croke Park. Brilliant. He is brilliant, but I suppose now that he's Parkinson's yeah. and he's 82, he's hardly going yeah, the, to go. The, the voice isn't what it was. I, I, I was yeah. felt sorry for him, actually. He was singing on some show last year and, and, I, and he, didn't, he didn't sound great at all, but he was brilliant. Also, Bruce or Elton John or Cliff Richard? I'd love to see Cliff again. I saw Cliff... Um, oh, years ago in Manchester right. in Apollo in Manchester and he was just fantastic he did the marquee actually he did but yeah. I wasn't around when he did the marquee I was away yeah. and did you see Elton on many of the to- any of the many I've times seen, I've seen Elton in England twice and yeah. I've seen him in Parky Cueve uh, last year that was a mega gig Oh, fabulous. He was, was absolutely brilliant. He was, he was. And I, you know what, I'm going mad. And if I, no one can tell me where I might get one. I missed Glastonbury. I missed the BBC Glastonbury. And I can't get a recording of it, but I believe he was outstanding. So you want to see, who? pick one, pick one, if you can see him in the park, D. Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond, if he was up for it. Which, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he is. But, but hey, Steve. Now, I mentioned that at some concert or other that Coldplay did in Europe, they, they put up a bunch of hashtags, Coldplay this, Coldplay that, Coldplay the other. And one of them was Coldplay Dublin. So that looks promising for next year. Bernice, you want them to cork, though, don't you? Morning. Hello. Hello. You want them in cork, Coldplay. PJ, good morning. I do. I would absolutely love it. Mm. Did you see them in Manchester, you did? I did. Myself and my daughter went to see them in Manchester in uh, June, just gone, the Etihad Stadium. Yeah. Um, It was actually a bucket list of mine. Right. It was absolutely spectacular. What a show. You got these, did you get wristbands or something, interactive wristbands? We did. We did. Oh, my God. It was amazing. What what do the wristbands do? 
Um, it was like they had like different colours that would chop and change um, different songs that would come on it was I have videos you just wouldn't believe it it was absolutely fantastic fantastic you saw the match and that was a gift from from the family I think Uh, Pink is another one oh wow that's up there big time I'd be torn between Pink and Gaga I love them both, but I think Gaga's the megastar. I'd be torn between Pink and Gaga. I saw her in the early days in the marquee. Yes? Yes. Yeah, oh, when she was slug- slugging whiskey down at downtown. Fair <laughs> 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 Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely Coldplay was up there. It was our first dance when we got married. Yeah. Um, what, what was the song? Yellow. Ah, cool song. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, Probably first came in tune with the song when myself and my husband went on our first holiday to Lanzarote, Mm -hmm. to good old Charlie's Bar. Ah, sure I know it well, yeah. And um, that was the song that kind of stuck with us. And then many years later, when we did eventually get married, that was our first step. You didn't didn't by any chance get up and do the... um, Yellow in our Coldplay in Charlie's Bar karaoke, did you? Oh, wasn't brave enough for that. <laughs> very few are. Very few are. Bernice, great. That'd be a lovely one. Coldplay in Cork in July of 2024. 1st of July 2024. Who would you love to see? So the suggestions Coldplay or Pink. Or Bruce Springsteen, who was there 10 years ago this week. Or Neil Diamond, who probably unfortunately isn't up to it anymore. Madonna would be my particular choice. Beyonce. Uh, Jeff Lynne's ELO. I'm sorry, I went to be completely mad there myself. That one of the best gigs I've ever seen in my entire life on this planet was Jeff, Jeff Lynne's ELO. Other suggestions, uh, Andre Ryu. Yes, 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 yes. He does a massive gig every year in his native Maastricht in, in the, the Netherlands, in the town square. It's a huge gig. Metallica, says Jason. That's one of the shortlist ones that Corpio came up with. Uh, yeah. Paul Simon, George Ezra, Westlife, Helen. I went to see Westlife with my daughter because she asked me to go with her and I was a little bit cynical going in I wasn't cynical going out they were absolutely fantastic Uh, yeah uh, (laughs) Cherry you are missing (laughs) you are missing I'll read it in a second Ramstein says Owen Andrea Bocelli Harry Styles Coldplay again The Eagles Celine Dion Sam Fender Ger I, I really doubt we'd get it. But Gerard Ger gives her vote to the Kilfenora Cayley Band. Careful what you wish for. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Remember I was talking yesterday about scooters and and about what happened to, to my daughter and scooters being unregulated and all that. I don't plan to go back there 
today, but I did get a, an email from someone who's in Lazenia, fabulous part of Spain. They have a local newspaper there in English, and they've got some regulations for that part of the Costa on the use of e-scooters. Uh, fines. You can be heavily fined for uh, not using it properly. I'll come back to that. That, that. That's in for tomorrow. South Dock changing their hours in East Cork. There's a protest has been planned. Uh, Michelle O'Brien, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. This is a big problem. Uh, you met for a, a vigil. Um, what, what is happening with South Dock in East Cork? Remind people again. Um, PJ, as this, um, I'm on here this morning as a public representative to highlight about the closure of the red-eye service that's been closed in the Fumai um, South Dock. South Dock have issued a statement right in the last 18 hours on the Cork Safety Alerts Twitter page. They are saying on a South Dock out-of-hours service remains available to patients and full access to the services provided. But PJ, what people have to realise is that they have to travel to Mala or another location for this service um, as in from 10 o'clock last night. Right, so, so South Dock is now no longer available in Fromoy at 10 o'clock mm, after 10. Yeah, and and 6pm on the Saturday and Sunday. I get away, so, Michelle. Yeah, so basically, um, PJ, I've been doing a bit of research on it, um, PJ, and South Dock provides a medical service for a population of 736,000 people in this region, plus in addition to visitors that may be in the area. So this is being served over 23 locations that we are aware of that are opened. And that is including for my encounter. But as we now know, for my is closing the red eye service and probably eventually the whole service altogether. Kenturk, people are telling me last night that it is closed. I actually do not know. So maybe you might be able to find out that. Um, so if you knock those two off it, we're down to 21. And as I said, I don't know if all 21 locations reopened after COVID. So they've also issued on Twitter as well, um, PJ, that they're saying that 500 patients can be catered for in a in a night in a 10-hour shift. So I'm not sure if this is in the Mala area or is it the whole South Dock service? They don't say where, but though. It, no, but like if it's the case that it is the Mala area, it's a huge concern that they're saying that they can cater for 500 people over 10 hours. That's 50 people an hour. That is one patient every every, every minute. minute. And yeah, yeah. So like that is... Jeez, how many doctors have they yeah, so like I did my bit of maths on the Fumai image some population, there is over 9,000 people um, as of last year's statistics. That's not including the geographical areas from the Blackwater Valley to the Kerry border to the Waterford border and covering any points in between Fumai image stuff. So all of this now is going to be put onto Mela, Southock, or other locations who are probably already stretched to the limit. Because if you're in Southock at the moment, at a weekend or midweek in the winter, You'd be waiting two hours plus for a phone call back. You would, you would, you would. If you're, you would. If you're lucky. Yeah. And I can so tell you, like, I had cause to ring them in the city uh, a few months ago when, when my right. wife was quite unwell. And now they came back to us two and a half hours later. You know? Like that's, and that's, that, that's, you know, just to see, that's just to hear from the, the triage. Yeah. yeah. And like you're waiting then again another you know, hour and a half. I never had a problem in waiting in for my, but you can imagine that um, if you're, if 
all of that population that I just mentioned there, like you're probably well in the excess of probably between the areas attached to Mitchell for my you're probably well in the excess of 12,000, 13,000 people now going to Mella on top of their population that's already there. Like at the public meeting on Monday night, I actually didn't make it myself, but I know people that were there. Um, I actually was using South Dock services for myself, for my son, that I couldn't get into my my own health centre on Monday because they were just too busy. So I had to wait to go to South Dock on Monday night. Um, and the people at the meeting uh, were kind of voicing their concerns that and there was a GP there saying that Mitchestown was the biggest user of the service of South Dock as their daily service for medical care is limited. And they also noted as well at that meeting on Monday night that South Dock is made up of a board of GPs. Yeah. So I think now it's time that these people come out and talk to the public and our councillors and not be talking over social media pages. We have a huge shortage of GPs, we know that, yeah. uh, and in many parts of the county, Michelle, to, to the point where some people, their their local South Dock is their GP because they don't have one where they where they live. That's the point. Like we were making last night, individual is like people actually rely on South Dock. I know somebody that went to um, the Living Health in Mitchell on Monday, and they wanted appointment with their GP, and they were told it would be the end of August. Living what? Yeah, the end of August. Living Health so, like, is a clinic, yeah? Yeah, in Mitchellstown. And they wanted, do you know, to make an say appointment. That, say, that again, say that again, Michelle, very, very slowly. The, the clinic in Mitchellstown. The Living Health Clinic in Mitchellstown. I know somebody that was there on Monday, just gone, and they needed an appointment. Um, do you know, if, they just wanted routine, probably their blood pressure and stuff checked. Um, they would be, you know, in their 70s. And they were told that the next available appointment for their, for their GP was the end of August. Good God. So if this person gets sick in between, they're going to be ringing South Dock. Um, and, you know, I suppose that's like I had a few points for the public to think about for disclosure to take home from t- today's radio discussion with yourself, PJ. And that would have been one of them was the elderly. Um, like, what came out of the meeting the other night and like everybody has elderly relatives in their family um, a lot of them still drive because they have their independence and it was a lot easier for them to drive to Fumai it's only 10 minutes over the road or whether it be you're living in Fumai you only had a couple of minutes to drive hmm. now they have to drive back to Mallow So the choice is get into your car and drive to Mallow yeah. to see someone in South Dock or wait five weeks to see your yeah. own GP but, like, these people shouldn't have to be driving to Mala. Like, fair enough, look, there's a shortage of doctors, um, you know, um, and look, things changed after COVID. But, like, fair enough, you might have to wait five weeks for a doctor. But these people shouldn't have to drive to Mala to see South Dock at night. There is a service in Fumai. Um, there's a building there. It can be used. Absolutely. There are doctors, like, I, I have to mention one doctor that's in South Dock with years, and he's absolutely fantastic, Dr. George. He was at the meeting on Monday night. He's willing to work. Yeah. There's people willing to work and they're not, so they, I think they're that, not allowed to work. I think that illustrates, though, the real urgency of the situation in Fermoy. When someone oh, has to wait five weeks yeah. for an appointment with their own GP and at the same time, the South Dock is cutting back hours. That's yeah. daft. It's just ridiculous. Like, And I suppose the other one or two points I had, PJ, was... Like, it's all well and grand now at the moment, South Dock announcing their closure. Um, it's summertime, 
we, as you know, like you've very little in the, in the summer. Schools are out. Um, you're going to go back to school in September. You're going to have winter flu. You're going to have every, you know, bugs over the winter where the doctors in the living house and in Fumai are going to be at max capacity. Wow. And then people are going to be relying on South Dog, but South Dog isn't going to be in Fumai after 10 o'clock. At the moment, it's there till 10, but wait and see, come September, October, it will be gone from 6 to 10 as well. This is, a, ni- this is a nightmare waiting to unfold, yeah, Michelle. This really thing, is like, a nightmare waiting to unfold. It's, it's serious. Like, and another thing as well, PJ, is the Mallow Road has been, one section has, be, has been done of it, right? So the other section has yet to be done. So that's going to be done in the, in the coming months. So you're not only going to be travelling to Mallow sick yourself or with a sick child in the back or a sick relative, um, you're actually going to be on a detour to Mallow, oh adding an extra 10, 15 minutes when that road has started. Oh God. Here's one we're going to have to stay with. I'll leave it there for today, Michelle. Thank you very much, Michelle O'Brien. Um, so South Dock in Fermoy now finishing at 10 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock at weekends. That's mad. While at the same time, someone in Mitchellstown who would use the South Dock in Fermoy was told five weeks to see your own GP in the local clinic. That's, that's, that's third world stuff, lads. It really is. 0818969696. Now you will remind, you will be reminded that last week we focused quite an amount of time on the RTE Investigates primetime special on dairy and on the exportation of calves and the treatment of calves in marts and on farms and all over the country, really, on trucks, on 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 boats. And we spoke to Fran McNulty, who, who made the programme for RTE and who made that documentary. It's, it's a horrifying watch. It's still there on the RTE player if you want to look at it. But among the people who featured on the documentary were the Heinzes, Peter and Paula, um, to get the view, as Fran said to me last week, to get the view of actual, real on the ground farmers about what they'd seen and if you watch the documentary you'll have seen Peter and Paula horrified at the footage that the Primetime Investigates team had recorded secretly using drones and hidden cameras and all of that they were absolutely horrified at what they were shown Peter I read yesterday in the Independent that you stand by your decision to take part in that documentary. It was a tough decision. Have you been facing some hostility since? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. I think, firstly, one point I would like to make is uh, that there was, uh, there was no, there was no, uh, there was never any mention of cows being abused on Irish farms that, uh, and I think, you know, that was quite evident in the do- in, in the documentary that uh, you know it was it was at March and it was yes, perhaps, uh, perhaps I perhaps I may have alluded to that. I, I, apologies if I did. I, I yeah, and, and look, the reality is, I think you know, the vast majority of farmers you know feel the same as us. That's, you know, they put a huge emphasis on welfare on their farms, on the welfare of the calves, and you know, at the end of the day. You know, we all like to see news life arriving into the world in the springtime, and you know it's up to us to to look after those calves, you know, to the very best of our ability, and put in huge amount of time and long hours in the springtime to ensure that the calves are healthy and leaves the farm and 
know, a, a really strong position. Yeah. So I, I suppose. Look, have we been? Have we been? I think the one thing that surprised me was how busy my phone was prior to it airing. Because look, it was made known that we were uh, that we were interviewed in the mm. documentary, and uh, you get a lot of phone calls to see what you know and what you don't know. And uh, the phone goes very quiet once it's aired. Then, and uh, I think the pub, we, we we've got a phenomenal amount of messages from the public and from farmers, and I think the public were. They were glad to hear that farmers condone uh, mistreatment of calves, and uh, uh, that we do take the issue, you know, in such a serious mm. manner. You get you, you, you get were one speaking or two. up on behalf of the regular farmer for whom the beasts leave your farm well treated, well cared for, and then they go to a mart, or they go on a truck, or they go on a boat. And they're thrown around, as we saw in that horrifying footage, they're thrown around like they were little bags of blocks. Yes, look, it's, it was horrific footage to view, you know, seeing animals that, look, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, all, all dairy farmers, look, there's cows born in every farmer, and I think every farmer would have been shocked to, to see to see, to see that footage, and uh, you know, brings a whole lot of shame on our industry, too, to be fair, because, you know, maybe people, people view it and they see it as, you know, the dairy industry is an entire when you know they need to understand like that the vast vast majority of us do condone this and we we, we don't find it acceptable and ex- we expect answers as to you know how how the industry proceeds forward to and that's you know what's the outcome of the the investigation from the Department of Agriculture which look it has to be welcomed but I think we as farmers deserve answers from it too to know that our industry has been protected. You said that you had thought long and hard about going on the the the, the prime time. And Fran and his team were full of praise for you in, in your frankness and, and, and everything on the show. Do you kind of half regret it now? Is that the impression I'm getting? No, I'd do it again. Uh, but I think we were no, no, under no illusion when they contacted us. That, look, I think for anyone that's watched Primetime Investigates over the last number of years, you know, they're serious investigators or serious journalists. And, you know, if they're... Uh, they're really professional at what they what they do, and like, have you had some hostility as a result of going on, Peter? Uh, got one or two letters. Uh, shame that the people that sent them wouldn't put their names to it. And uh, you know what you see on TV is saying say you know, what, Peter? going on that it was RTE propaganda and stuff like that and why didn't I say this on the TV and why didn't I say that on the TV but I mean to be quite frank like it was a two hour in-depth interview that gets cut down to snippets on TV you like know that before the mics are on in fairness to you, you do yeah and you don't uh, I think for us look yeah we did think long and hard about it because we have three girls that are really passionate about egg and, uh, and, and spend their time farming and uh, you know we have to be conscious of them too and uh, but I think you know we felt it was crucial that the public would hear from uh, hear directly from farmers. So we don't accept it, we don't condone it, and uh, we certainly don't want to see that happening within our industry. All right. Well, I certainly was impressed to see you as part of it, um, and I knew full well that yourself and Paula are farmers of the highest quality and and do for, do work of the highest quality. Thank you, Peter, for talking to me. That's Peter Hines, a farmer. He took part in that prime time. RT Investigates documentary if you uh, want to have a look back at it on the player it is still there 
0818-969696. And on the break first, oh yeah, we might have a little surprise. We might have a little surprise for Bernice, uh, who was on about um, seeing Coldplay. I went to Madonna when she was at the Aviva. Old stuff was great. New material, not so much. Went to London to see Beyonce in June. She was amazing. Would love to see Adam Lambert in the park with Queen. I also saw KT Tunstall last night in Cypress Avenue. She was great. But was sickly warm in there. KT Tunstall. What's this? Her big song was. I remember it. Ferg will remember it off the top of his head. She won't be proud. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Where are we going? Or home insurance. Next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM. Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. That was the KT Tunstall song. Uh, the old memory isn't as bad as it was. Susie, Qu- Susie Quattro down at Parky Creeve says Lynn. Probably want to bring her in in a. In a, on a stretcher at this stage. Susie's pushing on a bit. Although, did she do some gigs recently? But she was great. Remember that song she did with Chris Norman, Stumbling In? Uh, the Woman's Heart Group. Oh, yeah. They were great. They were great. Would they do, would they do, Parky Quave? Other suggestions. Still coming in. Roger Walters, The Wall, from Spud. Uh, yeah. Another vote for Ramstein. <laughs> Um, Coldplay, more from Coldplay as well. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now I got my letter in there a month or two ago about the the house insurance. Ours renews itself in August, and we do it through the mortgage company, which was probably costing me a little bit more than it should. But I can get subsidence insurance, and I can't get it if I go become a new customer. It's a big problem with people. Switching, but the house ins- the cost of house insurance is going up by as much as twenty two percent, according to what we're hearing. Um, uh, Dara Cassidy of Bonkers.ie is one of the services you provide. Dara is house insurance switching, and the prices are going up all over the place. Good morning. Uh, good morning, and um, they are, as you said, there um, the cost of. Home insurance premiums, according to the CSO, the Central Statistics Office, are up around 22% over the past year. Now, obviously, all consumers, all households are dealing with inflation absolutely everywhere. We're seeing our grocery bills go up. We're seeing our energy bills go up. So inflation has been a big, big problem over the past year or so. But it is definitely being felt with home insurance costs, which are running way above the usual or the headline rate of inflation at the moment, which is, you know, just another bill and another increasing bill that households need to worry about. Um, so, um, you know, our advice to any listeners and people who have home insurance is still go to look and, seeing, uh, and see if you can get better value by shopping around or trying to negotiate, although that would probably be a bit more difficult now these days because at the end of price walking, which you can talk about in a second. But, um, yes, yeah, so, you know, so, so, so big increases, unfortunately, just construction innovation in particular seems to be very, very high at the moment. In terms of switching, is it as easy to do it? 
It is. And I would say to people, when you get your renewal letter, um, you know, always use that as a starting off point. So we're great at switching car insurance in this country. And anyone who gets their car insurance premium uh, will often spend a few hours on the phone trying to get better value and save themselves a few euro, which I think is absolutely great. But for some reason, it doesn't extend for our other bills quite so much. And I don't know why. But there still is value out there to be had by switching. Uh, and, and people can get some big discounts, 10, 20 percent, maybe even more, mm. and beat those rising prices. A, a key thing, though, that, that listeners need to be aware of is that it, it has been an end to what's called price walking, which I'll just explain very, very quickly. Yeah. So for price walking, you're now not allowed to be charged. Basically, price walking was brought in to try and stop people being charged the loyalty premium. So sometimes if somebody was with their home insurer or their car insurer for several years, they might be charged, they might be charged a slightly higher price than somebody who was a bit more aggressive at shopping around or trying to haggle. The government, though, bans that. So now, all things being equal, everyone has to be charged the same price. Yeah. Now, you're still allowed to get a first-year new customer discounts um, of of maybe 10, 20, 30%. But technically, under the new rules, when it comes to year two, that discount has to go because everyone has to be charged the same price. All things being equal, obviously, depending on the type of house you're in, you might be Mm. charged more than someone else. So what I would say to listeners is if you have been with an insurer for just one year, you probably got a discount for that year or some good value. If you've seen a big jump, in year two, it could obviously be to do with construction inflation, which we've seen premiums are going up, but it could also be because your discount has ended and because of price walking, you're not allowed to continue with that discount, meaning you have to go and go or, or switch somewhere or else. Move. Now, the only problem we move in our own case, Dara, well, we're, our insurance, as many people's insurances, is linked to the mortgage. So mm-hmm. it's paid to the same the same company every year as part of, or every month as part of the mortgage payment works out fine but I know I'm paying a little more I did yes. look at moving and the problem is you won't get or it's hard to get the same terms and conditions particularly if you're living in a house as I am built in the 90s you won't get subsidence cover as a new customer I find yeah you can that, that can be an issue and to say with car insurance unfortunately as well depending on the type of car you're driving I mean I remember I had a 15 year old Ford car and I was getting renewal cover with my existing provider but once it got over um, 13 or 14 years I actually couldn't get a new quote with anyone else and it's the same sometimes with home insurance I would still say though do look around you might be surprised um, what you have there is what's called a block policy so sometimes the home insurance or maybe even the mortgage protection insurance which are both obligatory for most people who have a mortgage could sometimes be um, you know kind of a packaged up into the one premium but people do usually overpay and what happens is when people take out a mortgage they kind of forget or they don't know that you need to take out home insurance and mortgage protection and it's kind of a, a last minute thing mm. and people are rushing to draw down the mortgage and they're panicking and then the bank steps in and says well hey we can give you mortgage protection and home insurance so you just say sign me up because yeah. it's quick it's easy yeah. and it's convenient and I get that particularly for the first year. But you, after a few years, you really should go, if you can, and just mm. compare the market and see if there's better value out there. Even in your case, although I, I accept that sometimes if you're very, very unlucky, you might have a house where, which makes it difficult to get new cover with someone else. And, and, and lastly, Dara, in terms of moving, I know you 
you do stuff like, you know, we've talked before about energy switching and all these things. You do all the heavy lifting for the customer. Do you do, you do it for, for house insurance too? Yeah, we do. So we have a house insurance comparison service. So people go on and have a look. Um, so when you get your renewal letter, go on to our site and see if you can get a better quote with us. Uh, we do car insurance as well. And I'd say to people... Do look at all of your bills and your outgoings to see where you can make some savings because household budgets are still under pressure. Energy prices, as we know, are still at record highs. They haven't come down among any of the main suppliers. And the wholesale prices have and the price of the consumer hasn't and there's no sign of it happening, which isn't, you know, that's not pleasing to the eye. No, no, and I think we're going to go into another difficult winter. um, and, And while the headline rate of inflation is falling, prices are still increasing. So last month, prices went up by 0.8% over the course of a month, which is still very, very high. I mean, it wasn't so long ago where the annual rate of inflation was around 1%. We now had last month prices almost increasing that amount over the space of just one month. So there are still price pressures there. So I would say to people, whether it's your your car insurance, your home insurance, to look at and and see where you can get better value. And also, just a quick tip, when you get your renewal quote, whether it's for your car insurance, health insurance and home insurance, even if it has gone down, don't just sign up immediately because I know sometimes people might think, brilliant, I've saved 20 euro on my car insurance and you're delighted with life because the premium has gone down. If premiums are going down, that means that you could get even more value with another insurer. Um, So sometimes that's just something to be wary as well. All right, Dara, we'll we'll talk again. Thank you very much. Dara Cassidy Communications uh, with Bonkers.ie. Um, they do a lot of the heavy lifting for you to be fair to them if you are shifting provider for any sort of thing alright okay with a lovely chat with Bernice she'd been to see Coldplay earlier this year Yellow was their song and oh look here it is this is especially for Bernice who had it as her wedding song don't do this for just everybody who would do it today for Bernice we've had a very busy morning, which is great. We've had to hold a lot of you over and ask a lot of you to hang on. We'll get you on tomorrow. Promise. All right, it's been a very, very busy day, which is good to see. Um, Michelle, when she was on a while ago, there was something else she wanted to mention. They're organising a peaceful protest at 12 noon on Friday, July 21st, assembling from Town Park, 10 to 12. They'll march to the town hall Local councillors will be in attendance. There's also a new Facebook page, Save the South Dock Red Eye Service, and more details available through that and uh, other activities coming up too to try to keep a South Dock service, a proper South Dock service base in Formoy. That's about the size of it for today. Sorry to anyone who didn't get on. We'll get to you tomorrow. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96.